Welcome, everyone, to Davos Fingers' coverage of the House of the Dragon. This is episode 132, covering episode 6 of House of the Dragon, The Princess and the Queen. I'm Scatty, and with me, as always, is my buddy Matt. Hey, everybody. You know, we'll be releasing these episodes every Friday, as we've been doing for the past, uh, well, five episodes. Uh, hopefully to give you enough time to digest what you just watched and also help you prepare for the upcoming episode. So we're going to break down the episode scene by scene, of course, keeping it spoiler-free for those of you who haven't read Fire and Blood, uh, the book upon which this show is based. But if you have read the book or just don't care about spoilers, stick around after the main part of this episode for a special segment we call Dragons After Dark, a loose adaptation of our previous segment, Davos After Dark, where we talk book spoilers and predict what we think might happen in the next House of the Dragon episode. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, we like we like having that back, that segment. Mm -hmm. If you're interested in our coverage of these events as they occur in the book Fire and Blood, however, you can check out Davos Fingers episodes 82 and 83. You can find those on Podbean. Uh, it doesn't line up perfectly, of course, because the timelines are played with a bit from book to show. They don't line up exactly. And due to that, beware of book spoilers as you listen if you're worried about this sort of thing. Yeah, so, uh, and check out these weekly House of the Dragon episodes at the same place where you can listen to the other Davos Fingers episodes, wherever you find your podcasts, as well as on our YouTube channel. And of course, if you want to chat, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wearedavosfingers at gmail.com. Twitter is at Davos Fingers. Find and like us on Facebook. You can leave a comment on the aforementioned YouTube channel. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash Davos Fingers. That's right. Should we just dive right into it, Matt? I think we should. We I have, think we should. We have what is, frankly, a recurring theme in Fire and Blood a lot. Like, it happens a lot in Fire and Blood. It's happened a lot on this show. Like, they're not shying away from it at all. It is the birth of Joffrey, not the first son of Rhaenyra, not the second son. Not even the second. Of Rhaenyra, but the third son of Rhaenyra. You might be thinking... Oh, uh, hey, I didn't know Rhaenyra had any children at all, let alone two sons already. And pregnant with Get with the program. Yeah, catch up. You missed a few episodes. No, you didn't miss anything. No, episodes. you didn't miss anything. They jumped ahead. Yep. Like nine? Ten years? Ten years? Mm -hmm. Something? Mm -hmm. I don't know if we got an actual number. It feels like about ten years. Uh, Maddie, what do you think about that? About the time jump? Oh, well, about the, the scene of the birth of Joffrey, I guess. But yeah, the time jump, we can, I don't want to spend a ton of time diving into it now. We'll cover it later. But yeah, it's, it's it was a little jarring. It was a little jarring. And I especially think for those that haven't read the book, I mean, for, for those of us that have read the book, we're like, oh, okay, um, yeah. that one's Joffrey. So that means that we'll see Jason Luke. Okay, this is great. Yeah. In upcoming scenes, it's like, oh, that's the older boy with blonde hair. So that's probably Aegon. And this <laughs> guy must be like, we're able to put those things together. But mm -hmm. I imagine that for people watching this episode cold, it's just like these children are just flying at them from everywhere. It's like, is this the yeah. Goonies or what are we doing here now? It's like a and laundry shoot of birth canal <laughs> like straight out from, you know, multiple directions. Um, uh, yeah. Good. As far as the birth. Yeah. Just viscerally. Oh my god! Uh, um, viscerally, just brutal. Bru yeah, brutal is a good way to to look at it. I noticed it took me my third watch watching it. It's it's almost like the the camera 
is from the perspective of the whatever midwife or midwife midwife helper was helping to deliver the baby. Obviously it keeps it focused on Rhaenyra's face at the beginning, but then when the other helper servant lady comes into the room, like the camera turns over to her and looks at her and then Mm -hmm. it turns back to Rhaenyra and it's almost like you are the midwife in the room. And uh, I thought that was a beautiful way to really get into this scene. It added an intimacy, intimacy to it, I think, that helped us feel like we were right there. And boy, like I said, and like you said, it was, it was brutal. Even the sounds, right? Yes, yes. And and later in the episode, too, with Lena, uh, an unwanted intimacy is what I would call it. Because I don't want that. And I Give get, her her I, privacy. I, I, <laughs> well, we'll wait outside. I mean... I, I'm it's a joke and you know I don't really make light of it I really don't because I think the show is intentionally doing this uh Mm -hmm. you know childbirth in this world and in our world too is not without risk and it's painful and hard and you know dangerous frankly and they're trying to show that I mean they're they're trying to show that and they do that by leaving these scenes long and Mm -hmm. painful and visceral and brutal uh there I think I feel like the show is intentionally doing that to make this very clear to us the blood of fire and is blood. a battle it's a mm-hmm. battle in this world right yep episode one and queen emma one. told told rainera our battlefield is in the birthing bed yeah and, and it didn't happen go ahead sorry we got to see that battle in the scene we did yeah we've seen i mean yeah we saw it here uh we saw it we saw it then with emma and you know don't don't take it lightly that this is uh what did they call it? Almost like a second, a second pilot is, mm-hmm. is what they've called what the showrunners yeah. have called it mm-hmm. because there's kind of with this 10, 10 year gap, they're showing a lot of their actors and other things. And this, you know, we're seeing, we had Emma, we have Rhaenyra. I don't think that's on accident and it's Good working. Point. I mean, they're, they're being very direct about this. It's working, but damn, I hate watching it. <laughs> Probably their intent, right? Probably their intent. Uh, what an introduction to the actress Emma Darcy, in my opinion. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. All in those that that scene in the end, up until you know Lenor comes in, is probably two minutes, maybe. Um, yeah, it could be. Yeah, about. And in yeah. that scene, you know, you start off with just that tremendous pain and anguish, going to joy when Joffrey starts crying, mm-hmm. going to like this confounded she asked what yeah going to then anger of that stupid yeah mm-hmm. uh then going to resolve to be like well i'm not gonna let her win this round i'm gonna do this and yeah. then to the holy crap here we go again with the afterbirth and yeah. you see all of those emotions just come across her face and in the way she, i thought it was just a yeah. tremendous introduction to emma darcy as as Rhaenyra. tremendous yeah, they- introduction I feel like they they capture Rhaenyra pretty perfectly in this scene, and not not even just the those two minutes, but the walk and up the stairs mm-hmm. too. And we'll get to some more of that. But they're great. Uh, I I love the introduction of Emma, and uh, you know I I play one of my favorite things that I've ever played. I'm, I'm a third rate actor for those that are watching that don't know or listening that don't know. Hard um, second. Yeah, late late round seconds maybe, um, but. Uh, one of the favorite things I've ever done is play Scrooge because it takes you on a, a super 
long journey of, of character development in a very short time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Emma gets to do so much in this five minute scene where they're, you know, have it where they're having the baby dealing with the fact that it's been requested walking with this husband that doesn't really know what he's doing and up the stairs in anguish. They do a great job. I, 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 what a great introduction to a character for the, for this actor. Yeah. I've, I've heard criticism, read criticism of the, the, this gap kind of was, uh, it was a negative in that we didn't get to know the characters very well. And I disagree. Mm-hmm. I thought that they did a really good job, especially with Rhaenyra of giving us good character development, the kind that you're describing despite the 10 year gap. And you're almost yeah. able to fill in the blanks of what happened in those 10 years by the way the character is acting now and comparing it to the character from the previous episode, there's a coarseness to Rhaenyra, right? Mm-hmm. She yeah. curses, um, but there's also this quiet resolve and this strength to her too. And that kind of gives you some insight into how she's been living the past 10 years that I found very fascinating, very believable. And I had no problem with uh, any, I'm trying to think if it's really any most of the character development, the ones that immediately come to mind, um, especially Rhaenyra. I had a few problems. We'll get there. I, sure. Mo- I mean, the size of the task is large, mm-hmm. very large, gargantuan almost, to take somebody 10 years into the future and just drop them into the story without, you know, a big, a big intro. I think one of the predictions we had in the last episode was that they would have some big sweeping intro that kind of covered the events I don't remember if we talked about it or not actually now, but it, it's something I remember thinking like, oh, they'll probably do a, 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 a uh, you know, a, like they did in the pilot, a Rhaenyra-based yeah. monologue that kind of catches us up. They didn't do that. They just thrust you right in, right into the birth canal. Right. And, and, and are like, deal with it. And it I has been it's 10 years. It's been 10 long years or something. Nope. Nope. Not, none of that. They just throw, throw you right into it. And I think yeah. it's effective. I think it failed in, in spots. I think it okay. failed in lots of spots, but we'll get there. I, okay. I didn't hate it though. I don't hate it. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not angry about it or anything. I, I think it did a really good job with a really difficult task. But I think it I think it leaves, especially a non-book reader trying to put my my feet in those shoes. I think it leaves a lot of them like, okay, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> in terms of what happened, yeah, we'll talk about some of those. Yeah, uh, we'll get to it. Yeah. Yeah. So Allison demands the baby. Let's 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 get to that because fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Right. Yep. Just pure pettiness. I mean, uh, no. Just say no. Right. Allison, bring her damn self down. Mm-hmm. Just hold on to your baby and be like, no, that's bullshit. If she wants to see the baby, she can come visit it. I don't. I am I wrong? Is that not at all? And Lenor gets to that point eventually. Way um, too late. <laughs> This is abs- well. The whole way he's he's complaining and arguing. Yeah, yeah. This is absurd. This is ridiculous. Yep. I can't believe she's doing this to us. It reminded me a little bit of the way Corliss was acting with Rainey's in the last episode, where he was like, "You were cheated," and you know, he just can't let this yeah. go. Um, Lenor's an interesting character. There's stuff I like about him, and there's stuff I don't like about him. Uh, I, yeah, I think there. I see a righteous indignation and I believe it 
I truly think that he is upset that his wife is having to do this. Yeah. Um, I do believe he's developed an honest concern and a care for the well-being of Rhaenyra. Uh, even if his love for her isn't romantic nor passionate, I think he does care about her. Um, but man, is the dude awkward. Was it terribly painful? Was it terribly painful? You fucking kidding me, dude? Glad I'm not a woman. Thanks. Uh, this is your third time doing this, pal. This is your third time doing this. And they make it like, what, three stories up? And he's like, she can come to us. Way too late, dude. Way this too guy, late. This guy, I mean, I, I don't know if it's their intent, but to me, it paints a picture of a guy that is not at all involved in this family or in this woman and has no sense of what's going on, really. Like, he's there for show. I think he has some. I'm not drawing a hard line, okay. uh, but it's 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 a little too little too late. Um, mm-hmm. He just seems completely like lost. Like he wants to be happy, he wants to be supportive, but he doesn't know like where to go or what to do. He's so awkward. I feel this. I feel this. I remember when my <laughs> twins were born. Right, it was the greatest yeah. day of my life. I'm a father. I'm exuberant. At the same time, my wife just went through the most traumatic, harrowing experience of her life, deliver, delivering our twins via C-section. And it's like, you don't even, you don't know what to do. Like, how happy, like, at what point do I comfort? At what point am I just like jumping for joy? It's hard. But uh, Lenore certainly demonstrates that awkwardness to a wonderful degree. <laughs> I feel like you probably in those moments that you're self-conscious about, probably were a million more percent effective than this guy. I I feel like this scene is entirely meant to show us that he does not fit. I took a lance through the shoulder once. (laughs) And it's almost like as soon as he said that, you go... Yes, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's still the same thing. You you can relate completely. I'm so sorry. What did she say to him? I'm so sorry. My deepest sympathies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (sighs) My favorite one comes later, but we'll get to it. Uh, yeah. A little, a little hint. Uh, Lord Casewell oh, says, yeah. asks to uh, offers support, anything mm-hmm. he can do for for Rhaenyra, and she says that day may yet come, my lord. Right. And uh, Lord Casewell, uh, in the coming conflict, and and in pre in previous swearing in Fire and Blood, at least was loyal to Rhaenyra, swore to her, and. Uh, an interesting nod to fire and blood. Yep. Um, should we uh, should we get to where Rainier is going, presenting the babe yeah. to the queen? Yeah, we do, just really quickly. We do get our first look at Kristen Cole after this time jump. Uh, apparently, just still retained. Lots of discussion in the fandom about this. I'm firmly in the camp here that uh, this is one of the things that we should have been given at least some sort of explanation for. Super cop keeps his job okay, but give me something. And we're given nothing. It's one of my biggest complaints about the time jump. Uh, We get nothing. No explanation at all. He straight up murders a guy in front of hundreds of people, and we get nothing. And it bothers me quite a bit. Even even a one-off sentence like Allison saying, remember, I protected you by framing something something whatever some sort of explanation i didn't like it and we still may get that we might uh, let's see i've got my note on that down in the 
where they're talking later, the two of them together. Yeah. I put, I don't like that we don't find out about the Kristen Cole fallout and that everyone got older except him. <laughs> One of those guys that's just perpetually 25. I, I've got him. His new nickname is Kristen Cole of Olay. <laughs> Cole of Olay. Yeah. All right. All right. He's using some intense moisturizer to keep that youngness going. So. All right. So yes, we get to the scene where she, where uh, Rhaenyra is presenting jo- uh, the babe. We'll call the we'll call it the babe at this point to the king and queen. Get her a pillow. Yeah, is what Allison says about about Rhaenyra's appearance here with the child, and I just guffawed when I heard that line because it's like, okay, this is how this is how it's going to be. This is. That is like the worst apology ever for making someone trek up with bloody feet and bloody drippings with a baby after giving birth. Get her a pillow. Mm-hmm. This is how it's going to be, Matt. That and, and, it sets the tone for this relationship going forward. And even the 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 jabs back and forth. Oh, I didn't. I didn't imagine you would come up here. I have no doubt that, you, or you should be a bed or something like that. I have no <laughs> doubt that. I have no doubt that you'd prefer that, Your Grace, yeah. saying, "I know that's what you want, and that's why I came up." Mm-hmm. You're not going to see me being weak. One hundred percent. Yeah, it, uh, this is a power. This is a power struggle. Yep, and straight out of the birthing bed, I'm ready to fight that. Uh, Viserys enters. He does, and. Holy cow. Uh, a mix between Smeagol and the Crypt Keeper. He looks <laughs> awful. Dude, that's a reference most of our audience probably doesn't even know. Look it up. But the I, Crypt Keeper. I like it. Crypt uh, Tales from the Crypt, baby. I it, remember. It took me upon a second watch to actually recognize that now he's not just missing two fingers. He's missing his entire left arm. Just gone. Just, just, just the sleeves just hanging there. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe his arm was just so emaciated that it just kind of wobbled at his side. It's gone, gone. baby. Yeah, gone. Uh, He looks awful. Bad, yeah. I mean, if I'm honest, I'm surprised he's alive, given the 10-year jump based on how he looked at the end of the last episode. So missing an arm seems like an improvement based on what I expected him to be. Got some thoughts on that, but we'll hold it. Uh, Sure. Fire and Blood said his grace had reached the age of three and 40 and had grown quite stout. He's certainly not stout in in here. He no longer had a young man's vigor, was afflicted by gout, aching joints, back pain, tightness in the chest. Yeah. Yeah, they they definitely went a different direction here, right? I mean, um, what we said from the beginning in the first episode, well, he's too old. He's too old. The first episode should have been like 23 or something. I mean, young. Right. Yeah. Um, and they aged him up for sure on purpose. I'm, I'm, I'm certain they did that on purpose for reasons. Uh, they've given him some sort of disease. The actor online has said it's uh, leprosy. It's leprosy. Um, and okay. Uh, but, but yeah, he's, he's, he's much older and much more frail than, than he was at this point in Fire and Blood. Although in Fire and Blood, he's, he's getting there through mm. excess. More through excess. Yeah, that's what it is. Fragility and age. Right. Right. And I think there's a metaphor here. I kind of prefer the fire and blood take. It's like he lived through excess and caused his own demise Mm -hmm. rather than just being eaten away by 
I don't know. It's, it's good either way, I guess. He's being eaten away by the stress of the throne. and Yeah, I think there's know. a metaphor there of his kingdom slowly falling apart, just like yeah. his body. Right. But go back, Kalisar, and uh, look at Viserys from episode one. That same Viserys were like, he's too old. He looks hot now in comparison. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> or he looked hot then. Uh, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. So... We then moved a very, very heavy hammer they use with this they don't look right theme. Mm -hmm. Uh, Viserys says, I think he has his father's nose, and Leonor gives like a little chuckle. Uh, Alicent then takes the babe and takes it over to to Leonor and says, do keep trying. Sooner or later, you may get one who looks like you, which is directly from the book. Direct quote, yep. Um, uh, From uh, Testimony of Mushroom, I believe, Mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I just want to dwell on that for a minute because I keep seeing people online, you know, trying to like forgive Allison of, you know, who she is and what she's done. What did she do so wrong? Well, people, you know what? Very boiled down, this is what it is. She's cruel. She's become cruel and spiteful over the years. I don't blame her necessarily. She's been put in a really bad spot. But you don't need to commit murder to be a heinous and bitter person. She's become a heinous and bitter person over the years and takes just just lays into people cruelly when she yeah. doesn't need to. She didn't Jabs. say any of this to him. What is she gonna what did she get from this? Nothing. She doesn't get any of them saying this to him, other than just being hurtful. Yep. And you want to see the baby I, I'm, to I'm see just, what I'm just it sick looked- of people, frankly, just I'm just sick of people defending Allison. You want she to see has, a baby that, that you want to see if the baby looks like Lenor? Go downstairs and check it out. <laughs> yes, for sure. That too. Absolutely cruel. Making them travel at all, then throwing this barb at him yep. about these children not looking like him. No benefit that you gain. And I, I'm just sick of people defending Allison like she did nothing wrong. This is wrong. You you need to be able to look at a character and be like, oh, yeah, that's shitty. Maybe maybe it's not murder, but it's still shitty. I understand you want to protect your kids. That doesn't give you carte blanche to say and do these types of things. This doesn't protect your kids at all. It doesn't protect it, the kids. It's just cruel. Yep. 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 Uh, just like we talked about with Rainier, we're introduced to her character in those first couple minutes, the, the type of person that she's evolved into over the past 10 years. This gives us a good look into the character that Allison's become over the past 10 years. Yeah. She's someone that has become almost um, defeated by uh, all the goodness is gone from her eyes yes. and everything over yes. this paranoia about her children Absolutely. and probably just living a life of getting her way all the time and substance and luxury uh, combined with the paranoia. It doesn't, doesn't leave us with a pretty product at the end. I'm not saying I don't understand how she got here. She certainly these last 10 years have that paranoia has eaten away at her and she's worried and worried and worried. And this is how she's gotten there. I'm not saying it's inexplicable. I'm just saying we need to recognize when people are shitty. And oh, by the way, and I'm no Rhaenyra yeah. stan. I'm no Rhaenyra stan. Rhaenyra is going to get hers too for me, guys. So, you know, don't don't look at this cast and be like, oh, I'm coming down on Allison. No, I'm going to come down on everybody. That's what makes us a good pair. Because I'm like, I'm always looking for the little good bits to pull out. You're looking for the things that we need to like call out that they do wrong. And I there think that's good. good bits. 
there are there are good bits, which is what's great about this show. There are good bits, which is what makes this fascinating. And we All can call out do good things and do bad things on it's the yeah. And on the flip side, we can call out those good things without saying that they're saints. Yeah, and that's sure. important to do too. So, uh, because none of them are. We we have talked in the past about Viserys and Rhaenyra and their relationship and the mm-hmm. lack of closeness and affection. We get a little moment here that I liked, yeah. uh, where Rhaenyra talks about the fact that she called the midwife a cunt, uh, and they have they share a little laugh and a little hug. Uh, yeah, there's like, a warmth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, feels like maybe over this ten year gap they've grown closer. Maybe Rhaenyra has seen his commitment to her as heir. Maybe they've grown closer on councils. They agree on things or something, but they feel they definitely feel closer than I attributed them to be earlier. It was a sweet moment that I took note of as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, Right. Yeah. Some beautiful just just little moments throughout this scene. Rhaenyra getting nervous when Alicent takes the baby. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a little tiny little scene where she kind of does a little, ah, ah, like, uh, she's like looking like, ah, should I yeah. step in? Maybe not. I don't know. She's not and, about it for sure. Right. Yep. In the book, uh, talking about Luke though, Lucerys, it says King Viserys was delighted with him. He loved his grand boys. And I thought that they brought that through nicely here. He's very much a doting grandfather. Yeah, if Viserys didn't have to be king, he'd have just kind of been a great guy. Probably, yep. You know, like, he's nice. He wants to look for the good in people. He trusts people. If he didn't have to be king, like, he'd have probably been a pretty good dude. Yep. Just wants the peaceful life. Yeah. You know? Wants wants everyone to be peaceful. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. That's just didn't work as king. How do you feel about the naming? The naming of the child. Yeah, it's Lenor, as he says, feeling like he deserves some interest in the affairs of his family, mm-hmm. which I don't blame him for. Um, <laughs> but, dude, I mean, what'd you do here? Nothing. Yeah, it kind of it kind of reads it kind of reads a little bit like Fire and Blood did, where it says, "Finally, Lenor got to name name one of the kids after daughter he had wanted to name." Luceris after after Joffrey or sorry uh, after mm-hmm. uh, after Joffrey and was denied so now he gets his chance but interestingly enough he was denied by Corliss his yes, own dad Corliss said like, you're not going to name your son this <laughs> which kind of tracks to how they handled this in this in the series right. House of the Dragon right where he was like I'm I'm not going to promote this idea I'm not going to mm-hmm. support it yep okay, yep Corliss. uh and my my favorite line from Rhaenyra here, only one of us is bleeding. When, as she's actually about, tracking blood. Yeah, she's actually dripping blood as she walks uh, in her steps uh, and talking about how she delivered this child. And, you know, that he shouldn't just name him like that. Yep. But also, they seem to have a partnership. She didn't overrule it happening she's not going to show a sign of weakness in front of mm. allison and makes sense i think lenore might have known that oh he used it okay yeah i like that yeah all right. and so I'm, I'm 
perfectly willing to qualify what I'm saying of there's hints of Lenore wanting to be a good husband and support his wife, um, even though they have their understanding that they've always had. Uh, he still wants to be happy for and everything, but then there's moments of him just wanting to still assert himself and it doesn't go over super well. I understand that. I mean, you don't want to just fade into anonymity Obscurity. involved. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. But also feels like he's not doing the work either to me, but right. we'll get there. So now, now, now we get, we get to a dad who is father, trying. Yeah. Yeah. The real father gets to meet his son. Uh, first of all, these boys are effing adorable. We chose an egg for the baby. I let Luke choose. Right. Yeah. Look oh at them. Gosh. Look at them go. Look at them go. Oh my gosh. These strong children. They're going to break my heart. And the paternal feelings of Harwin strong are awfully sweet too. Yes. He tries every little way to get in there and just, just spend just, time just, with them. Yeah. Yep. And what a sweet little way that, you know, he no doubt he didn't say he did, but I, in my mind, I don't have a doubt that he helped pick out that dragon egg with the two boys. <laughs> and it's like, how cool is it that he gets to have a hand in at least picking out the egg for, funny. for one of I his sons? Think, I didn't think of that, but you, yeah. I, I bet mean, he, he did. came from the dragon pits. Probably he just went with them and like, okay, I'll just escort them to protect them. What do you guys think of this one? What, what, about this? <laughs> oh, what do you think? Oh, Luke. Hey, pick you. Yeah. I mean, listen, I feel like you and I are both on the same page for Harwin. Uh, we're probably going to like go overboard on him for the one episode we get him. Let's do uh, it. <laughs> I mean, it's bold of him to ask to, to, to see this child so quickly and dismiss the husband in this scenario, but nope. also... <laughs> Lenor no. gets it. Lenor gets it. There's that little look that he gives him. He like, as he's handing him the baby, kind of nods to him like, congratulations almost. That's the that's the bit. impression I got. Almost like, here's your boy, man. I sensed awkwardness first. A little bit. And then, then he's like, fine, all right. And then he escorts the boys out and you don't get, I don't, I I feel like that moment where he's like, no, no, back to the dragon pit for you boys felt very awkward. Like there's no relationship there with those boys. Really? Oh yes. yeah, with his boys. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of looks at Harwin and gives him a nod, a yes. another nod. There's two little nods he gives him, uh -huh. and I almost feel like that was him saying, "Enjoy your All babies." Yeah. yeah. And I and thought he, it was sweet. Yeah, it's uh, it's fine. I mean, listen, they have they have an arrangement. I get yeah. it, but 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 I feel like those nods and the escorting of the children out back to the dragon pit for you where those kids clearly kind of want nothing to do with him. I feel like that's painting. I think it's trying to paint a picture of this is an absent. This is an absent dad. He's not really involved. For like, uh, Lenore's not. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like it's, it's totally meant to think like, yeah. Oh, he's not around ever. Right. No, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. But I think that he kind of respects Harwin. Maybe he's afraid of him a little yes. bit, but maybe, and that's what I'm maybe. getting at. Is the nods that the, the things that he's indicating to Harwin are like, this is your son. Enjoy your time with him. Yeah. I know that's not doesn't come often. So I want you to have this moment with your newborn son. And you know, family comes in all shapes and sizes, right, Scatty? <laughs> it does indeed. Do you think <laughs> just to dive into the Harwin thing for a minute? So I mean, it's okay, so we've jumped 10 years. Presumably, at some point in the middle, pretty soon, because Jace is probably eight or nine, 
pretty soon after the last episode, Harwin and Rhaenyra get together, right? And they have a relationship, an eight, nine, ten-year relationship here that they're building on. I mean, he's got this relationship with the married princess of the Seven Kingdoms. It's bold. Yeah. It's, dare I say, reckless. It feels reckless in Fire and Blood too, but... Lionel would agree with you. (laughs) Watching it, you're like, what do you guys think you're getting away with here? You're not fooling anybody. I mean, this is obvious, right? And maybe the show had to make it more obvious because we had the 10-year gap and it didn't develop slowly or whatever, but like, it's reckless. And the fact, I told you my, my Rhaenyra hate was coming. She fucked this up. Like, you can have a relationship. You can, you can have your separate things like Leonor does. But if you're going to go and have a bunch of kids with somebody else and think you're going to get away with it, that's reckless. You're endangering them. You're endangering your position for the crown. You're endangering a lot of shit. And people that say Rhaenyra did nothing wrong, I disagree. You are endangering a lot of things that you believe are in, you're entitled to by taking these actions. It's just not the way your world works, right? And I don't know, man. I, I feel like if they want to have this relationship, they should have been thinking about Moon Tea and not, you know, not having consequences to this relationship. At the same yeah. time, I know she wants heirs. She wants so, heirs. Uh, this is all my notes on this are in the scene with Lionel, mm, where okay. he's well, we, laying into him. We can move um, there, but I agree. He's. Uh, I think it shows her face a lot in that scene with Lionel. And I think it starts to dawn on her a little more of what she's doing. Um, But but, this is, we're already 10 years into this by this point. So that's, that's my complaint about the 10 year gap. It, It feels to me like we'll just, I'll make it very quick, but it feels like we jumped 10 years. We're supposed to assume everyone just went along their merry way for 10 years and acted the way they acted with no consequences for 10 years other than children. And now they want to show us the consequences in like one moment. It's like, that's not how it works. These, these things would not have dawned on Rhaenyra now. They would have dawned on Rhaenyra when she had her first kid, her second kid. Like it would have been dawning on her all the way through. It's not something that would have happened now, 10 years later. You don't realize the consequences of your actions after 10 years. It's just bad storytelling to me. And you know, they had to jump, okay, but I, I feel like they went for a time skip. Everyone stayed exactly the same except got older, but no changes in emotions or personality or decision-maker or anything. And now we'll show you all of the conflict of the last mm-hmm. 10 years in very fast motion. I just kind of didn't like it. Okay, I understand that. Uh, I think that there's... Uh, the the thing that Lionel says later in the episode about the thin veil that is Viserys, I think that kind of gave Rhaenyra, she hid behind that thin veil and then she felt empowered and protected by it to her own detriment. For sure. For sure. And then she's like, this is working with Jace. Okay. Let's see what happens with number two. Hmm. This is working too. Okay, things are all right. And then at that point, Allison's like, dude, this is way too much. Three is too much. Three is way too much. I, I, I stand by my complaint that it's reckless. It's all reckless. Of course it's reckless. No question. 
No There's question no, is a reckless. I mean, what do you, so, okay. I'll just quibble a moment, okay? She has the big scene on the boat with Kristen Cole. I'm the blood of the dragon. The queen thing is the most important thing. More important than anything. More important than blah, 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 blah. And then no. No, she goes and has this other thing that endangers all of that. The prophecy, all of it is so so much more important than everything else. And then you go do this. It's reckless. It's, it, it's, sorry, Rhaenyra sucks. And that's the Rhaenyra in Fire and Blood too. She's being reckless. Yep. So it's not a quibble with the show so much. It's a no. quibble with Rhaenyra the character. The storytelling I, you listen, quibble with too, but also Rhaenyra the character. And that's fine. That's I, why I, I don't, I've said it before. I like my characters imperfect. I like to see my characters making mistakes. Sure. I guess, Matt, I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of anger in the fandom this week. And seeing okay. it happen with the fighting, I posted weeks ago that all these people suck. As people, they suck, right? And seeing the anger bubble over in the fandom while people pick sides has been really hard for me to watch because we all love each other in the fandom. We all mostly get along and they're picking sides for a turd sandwich and a shit sandwich and leaving their friends over it. They both suck. It's okay to still like them and enjoy the story because of what the story is telling us. But these characters, they're all deeply flawed, and that's what we enjoy about them. They're flawed, and they also do amazing things, right? Yep. So I see. This is this is also a commentary at the at the fandom too. This a is little. you responding to that a little bit. I'm a little scantankerous tonight. I think you can sense it. But yeah, no, I'm seeing why but, now. I'm seeing why now. You. You've read a lot of things. I I read must not things. have, which doesn't I've, surprise shouldn't surprise anybody. But uh, that that I see why you are feeling this way now. That makes sense to me now. I just we we need to we need to enjoy the story for what it's saying, enjoy the characters for who they are, as flawed as they are, and not take it out on each other and get so defensive of a character that we're hurting each other over it because they're all bad. They're mm -hmm. meant to be bad. George is telling us they're bad. They also have goodness in them and do good things and love each other. And but they're all bad. That's the point. Yep. Right? Yep. And there's okay. nothing destroying friendships. It's worth destroying friendships over. Sorry. Okay. Um, it got too heavy, didn't it? No. <laughs> I'm glad you had an avenue to say what you felt like you needed to say it's not uh, in my notes i didn't plan on doing any of that none of it's in my notes okay all right jace bonds with vermax real quick uh, just a quick book change i like to point these out since we are a book sure. podcast at our heart harwin yes. is the leader of the gold cloaks here and they make that very clear but with a line that he has um in the books he's rainier's sworn protector which would actually make it easier for them to be together i think um Yep. But this this maybe is a little bit easier concept to try to explain. The idea of a sworn protector doesn't hasn't really come up. I feel like in Game of Thrones they did it with Sandor Clegane and Joffrey. They did it okay, but it's a lot more easier just to say always oh, leader of the Gold Cloaks rather than try to explain or expound upon him being, you know, this vague position of her bodyguard when she's already got Kingsguard and stuff like that. So, 
Yeah, I, frankly, I don't know. I what was fine means. with it. Yep. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what swarm protector means. I don't yep. care. So don't put the <laughs> audience good. through it and yeah. just make him leader of the gold cloaks and that'll be fine. Because uh, we already knew he was a member of the gold cloaks anyways. So this feels right. The the only swarm protector I really cared about was, was the Scarlet Serpent. Oh, yeah. The protector of Alison, which was awesome because it was not a, you know, it was not a King's Guard. It was her own personal protector. What about yeah. uh, Balak or whatever his name is? He's kind of a sworn protector-ish. Oh, yeah. Go for him, too. uh, Yeah, yeah, you're right. He's different. I like him, too. All right. (laughs) So then we go to the dragon pit, like you said. And the books aren't super clear how bonding with the dragon works and everything. Mm -hmm. And so this was a fun scene to see. And that dragon, Vermax, was so creepy when it came like, crawling out of a pit spidery Ooh, it was so cool i really liked it super effective but yeah yeah i agree um and the first thing i noticed about this scene before the dragon even came out is that these nephews look very close to their uncles and vice versa it's a departure from fire and blood Blood in age or in uh like friendship no no in friendship they're kind of you know hitting each other on the shoulder and sitting you know they're not separated jace is walking next to i think amon who's walking next to uh aegon who's walking next to luke like they're not you know necessarily segmented or anything mm-hmm. uh, in fire and blood the, the passages by royal command of the infants jesseris valerion and daron targaryen who we don't have yet shared a wet nurse until wean it was said that the king hoped to prevent any enmity between the two boys by raising them as milk brothers yep. if so his hopes proved to be sadly forlorn because they end up getting angry at each other. Um, so it's it's a bit of a departure. It feels like they're trying to, in House of the Dragon, give us a relationship between these boys, a closeness a little bit. Right? Yeah. That, that uh, isn't really in Fire and Blood. It's kind of cast aside very early. Yeah, they spend a lot of time together, as we'll see. Um, so, yeah, and, and we see them kind of conniving together to play the prank on Amond. And that that was that did hit me, too. So, yeah. Again, um, we get we get in this scene more Valyrian with tiny subtitles, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> I was Read, thrilled to see the tiny subtitles. Look closely, uh, and then and then worse, we get a low voiced translator that can't be understood when and they stop doing the subtitles, which is even worse. <laughs> I think I'm, I think I'm just, just old, man. You are scared tankerous tonight, my friend. I am. I am. Uh, I'm on one, man. <laughs> Uh, this, you know, one of the big, uh, tells that Alicent and others thought would happen is that when each of the Valarian boys, Rhaenyra's sons was given a dragon egg while they were in the cradle as fire and blood mentioned. And this says those who doubted the paternity of Rhaenyra's sons whispered that the eggs would never hatch. But here we see that they all did hatch. Um, well, at least Jace's, and then it's alluded to later in the episode, but I can't remember the line that Luke has one too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're getting dragons hatching, which mm-hmm. probably emboldens Rhaenyra a little more of mm-hmm. being able to say, I mean, look at them. We've got dragons yep. hatching, so we're yep. good. But um, I don't have too much more on this. Yeah, uh, Jace, Jace uh, seems a little terrified of his dragon, a little bit. Kind of, eh, I would be too. Makes sense. Uh, yep. But exuberant to 
to butcher an animal with him. <laughs> Man, this show is getting a lot of mileage out of that one word. Dracaris. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure I've ever seen a show get more mileage out of a single non-existent word before. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. You know. Dan- Danny Targaryen, Amelia Clark, she kind of immortalized it with with that yeah. famous scene burning the slavers. So then we um, immediately get to this practical joke you wanted to. Yeah, they bring out the pig. Feels so bad for little Amond. Yeah. This, this, this is brilliant storytelling. And we've alluded to it in the past that, uh, you know, that the strength of this show can be that they take a loose framework and give it, give it life, right? Give it detail that, that make the characters make more sense. And what we have here is an example of abject cruelty to Amond. Just cruelty. This is something that is a part of his soul, that he doesn't have a dragon and everyone else, every other kid he knows does, right? And they play this joke on him. And you can see how something like that would lead to him being, you know, a, a maladjusted kid. I mean, I, I think sometimes people without kids don't get this. Like handfuls of little events like this, even though it seems just like a joke, they can be very harmful. Kids latch onto things, and if if they're reinforced over and over again, it can just become a part of their personality almost. And we don't get it explicitly in Fire and Blood, but like it kind of helps explain why Amond is you know a little bit rough around the edges. Yep. And, uh, you know, as parents who've experienced their own children being bullied before, that's Mm. tough to see. That's tough to see. And it kind of helps you understand where Alicent is coming from a little more in this later scene with Viserys. Trying to protect Uh, them, you mean? Yeah, just going all out of just like, I don't care what needs to happen now, but I am sick of my son getting pushed around, even though her son is participating in that. Mama He's Bear Mode, just yeah. as complicit. Yep. Yeah. It's just as Aegon is just as complicit. We'll get maybe to it, more so. As, as terrible as Alicent is, like you said, there's good in her. Like there's yeah. she's a mom. She's fiercely protective. And I think a good mom. We'll get there. We'll yeah. Get there. We'll get there in just a second, actually. The only other note I have on here is um what dragon does Amon find? I don't know. I have the same note. Which dragon is that? I'm sure somebody out there figured it out. But yeah. I, don't, there's, I don't know. There's I've I've I like looked it up and there's people that have said like that dragon is so and so. And I've seen it in multiple locations. Uh we'll save it for dragons after dark just in case people don't want to know. But I have no I'm not seeing any citation anywhere or evidence saying why it's that <laughs> dragon. So I mean I have a theory, but I I guess I'll, yeah, let's save it for dragons after dark. Okay. So then we do get to Allison being a mother. So this is a nice segue. Uh I love how she's trying with Helena. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if if you yeah. parents haven't listened to your kid talk about Minecraft or something you know exactly how Alicent is feeling here. You're trying your best to like stay engaged and ask questions. Why do you feel that way? Why do you, oh, that's interesting. You're probably right. <laughs> and, and to like steal those little moments where you can try to take something they're saying and make it into a life lesson. Sure. Right? Like, okay, let's use this. 
right? Uh-huh. She, she says, she says something like, uh, yes, some things are unexplainable and just are mm-hmm. right. As, as, uh, Helena says, uh, it's beyond our comprehension or it's beyond our understanding or something. And, and Allison says, yes, some things just are, mm-hmm. you know, and she reaches out and touches her arm and Helena kind of recoils a little bit, but you can see that Allison cares in this scene. Right. For sure. And that goes back to everything that we've been saying so far. Like no other show except for maybe Breaking Bad. I was thinking about this makes me go, okay, I don't like this person at all, but I feel that what they're doing right now. I feel that. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so I think House of the Dragon does that incredibly well. It does. I agree. I agree. And this is a beautiful little moment with Allison and her daughter. Mm-hmm. Um should we talk about Helena for a minute? Because she's she's got some stuff going on. I can't say too much about her. Uh, well, she likes bugs. She's counting bugs. <laughs> to start with, it feels like she's, uh, you know, it's been covered throughout the fandom I've seen, but uh, feels like maybe she's a dreamer. She's got some foresight. Um, as Aemon comes in, uh, she uh, Allison says to him, you know, something along the lines of, I swear to you, you will have a dragon. And Helena, in the little pause, says, he'll have to close an eye. Right. And, um, you know, she's she's clearly, I don't want to spoil too much, but she's clearly seeing, mm-hmm. she's clearly seeing something and responding to those words with some sort of prophecy. And we'll, we'll get to more of that, I guess. Maybe it should be in Dragons After Dark. Right. But, uh, the last spring has no legs at all. She's, I think she's a little sweetie. I think she's saying things that mean something. They mean something to her. Don't make yes. sense to others. Uh, yes. We've, we've met people like that, right? Very aloof, introverted, stark contrast to Aegon, uh, her older brother. And yeah. Yep. Closing an eye, uh, for those that have read the main series, is a. Uh, you know, that's a, a prophecy kind of thing, right? The, the three-eyed crow and hmm. closing an eye to fly and all these things that Bran, Bran did before. So it's an interesting, interesting uh, terminology for her hmm. to use, closing an eye. Um, anything else on this scene? No. So, so Allison goes, I guess, after finding, I mean, Allison kind of just running around the whole episode, like responding to stuff, right? So she hears about this practical joke and she immediately goes to Viserys. She's going mama bear. Your grandsons bear. are a menace. Doesn't mention her kid at all. No. Uh, but Viserys, Viserys sees through it a little bit. He, he blames his own kid almost immediately. Right. Are you sure it wasn't our Aegon that did this? Because our Aegon, you know, and I kind of feel like Allison's got some blinders on, which absolutely dangerous for parents, but happens a lot. She definitely does, and you know, maybe Aegon or Amond worried of retaliation from his big brother or something. Maybe he didn't say anything about Aegon. Yeah. Well, he doesn't know who did it, right? But, uh, well, I mean... Aegon's laughing yeah. and everything. They yeah, know yeah, yeah, he yeah, knows he it. Does. He does. He absolutely yeah, he knows. knows. But maybe he didn't rat him out. Um, 
That's true. And but then Viserys in a nutshell says the most Viserys thing that Viserys could say, do not speak of this again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm jumping ahead. He's talking about uh, Alicent, of course, moves to the parenting, the parentage of the three boys. Viserys fires back and does the Viserys thing. Do not speak of this again. Yep. Under the rug. Very clear. Yep. He doesn't say she's wrong. He doesn't say like, no, that's not what's happening. Do you? But yeah. He, but he just doesn't want to deal with it if it's true. Right. Do you? Do you know what, what it would mean if that were true? What would happen if you actually made these allegations? So don't make them. Not. It's not true. Don't make the allegations because I don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, last episode he goes on and talks about how he wishes he was in a crucible so that he'd have the opportunity to prove himself. Here you go, buddy. And we talked about this is he is in a crucible. He yeah. is, and he refuses to rise to the occasion and address it. He's just gonna handle it the way he's always handled things. And yes, he's looking out for his daughter. Yes, he's looking out for his grandsons. But don't sit in here and give us this sob story about how you wish you had songs written about you and blah, 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 because this is the type of guy that you are. And as a peacemaker myself, I get it, but. I think you deal with conflict just fine when needed. Uh, He runs from it. You know, he very rarely deals with it, like you've said. Um, Yeah, I, you know, I think. as a king, you deal with the crucible probably nearly every day. You know, like our judgment, all of us, kings and non-kings alike, you know, we're making judgments every day that inform on who we are in our character, right? Yep. So it's, you know, don't, don't, careful what you wish. You just might get it, as Metallica <laughs> says. Um, there is, while they're talking, there is that little, he kind of gives this example of this, Oh, yeah. Of course, he had that went and, and got, uh, he says, got uh, impregnated by a silver stallion. Um, and, you know, the horse, the, the, the baby came out as the, the plainest, you know, muddy brown horse that you've ever seen. And, and Allison says, how do you know it was the, you know, the silver horse that, that was the father? You know, did you see it? And I immediately, on my first viewing, raised my hand and said, hypocrisy, Allison, you didn't see Harwin either. You didn't see it. Yep. What evidence do you have? You're being a total hypocrite here. Yep. They don't look like them. Well, I got three kids. One has brown hair, one has blonde hair, and one has red hair. All three of my kids have different hair colors. Your two kids have different hair colors. Like my two kids do have different hair colors. Yeah. Neither one have my hair color. So your youngest is a little darker, right? I gotta go. I have to have a conversation with my wife. No, just can't come back. Come back. It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) My kids are far too like me uh, to to not be mine. Your kids are definitely your kids. Yeah. Um Uh, the book says, whatever the truth of these allegations, there was never any doubt that King Viserys still meant for his daughter to follow him upon the Iron Throne and her sons to follow her in tone. In turn, the show does a good job of, of showing that. Yep. Yeah. I, you know, again, I don't want to harp on the tenure gap too much, but, but understanding how 
Viserys and Rhaenyra maybe got closer that we talked about earlier, maybe understanding, maybe he reinforced this a few times over the years. Right. She's my heir. She's my heir. She's my heir. She's my heir. In regular speeches, every time some, they got together, my heir, you know, like maybe he did that. In the book, they don't really go into that much. Um, you know, I, I wonder, and they don't do it here either. I wonder if he, if he's been more forceful about it or not. Yeah, which would explain Allison becoming more embittered in turn. Yeah. 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 We'll come back to that for sure. Oh, we can come to it in the next scene. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. Because as you said, this is Allison just going around and around. I got so t- sick of typing out Allison talks to so-and-so when I was putting together mm-hmm. our little outline here. She's, but, she's um, getting her steps in. I'll tell you that. She's going to go for a little walk with Kristen Cole of Olay. Uh, he looks great. He just got a little haircut. It's the only thing that's changed about him. Lenore gets a whole new actor. Lena gets a whole new actor. Kristen Cole just gets a haircut. Um, they get along so great because they can just feed off each other's pain, Allison and Kristen. Like if they were to have a conversation, I don't think they'd be able to have a conversation if it wasn't saying something about Rhaenyra. Do you know what I mean? Like they're just bonded by this mutual hatred saying what the other person wants to hear. And that is them. I think, I think it was B word, our friend, our Canadian friend who posted on Twitter earlier this week. It was the the scene from uh, mean girls. Why are you so obsessed with me? It was Rhaenyra to Kristen and Allison. Right. I love it. Brilliant post. Oh, I Brilliant didn't see post. that, but I love it. It's really good. Uh, yeah, it, it feels like she is kind of at the center of every conversation they probably have. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they, if you took that out or like, you can't say the word Rhaenyra, go. Talk about something. Like, like what would they do? The weather's nice. <laughs> yeah. I love the weather. How about the weather? It's very pretty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Kristen seems uh, embittered. I mean, I think that was Big probably time. predictable, but over the mm-hmm. 10 years, he's just become, I mean, he calls Rhaenyra a spoiled cunt. Mm-hmm. He calls her brazen and relentless. And Alicent hates the indecency of these comments probably more than more than really the spirit of them. He, she just hates the indecency of the language, it feels like. Right. Um, now, now. Man. He is, I feel like he is just entranced by that night or those couple weeks he had with Rhaenyra and he cannot get past it. He's just let it eat away at him. Yes. And that's one thing. Hopefully they'll still, they'll go into it in a future episode and we're just getting ahead of ourselves. But like you said, I hate that we don't get the explanation of what Alicent must have done to keep Kristen around. Um, Yeah. You know, and, and what's kind of keeping them to, together. She says, we need to hew to that. Talking about, she first says, I have to believe that in the end, honor and decency will prevail. So she's still trying to put up a bit of this facade around Kristen of I'm this wonderful person. Um, and we need to hew to that and to each other. I actually don't think it's a facade. I actually think she thinks her shit doesn't stink. I think she believes that she is in the position of honor and decency. Mm-hmm. And that's what, again, sorry, that's what makes her suck. She, she believes herself to be morally superior to everyone else around. She believes that, honestly. And I, I don't know, you know, when she says, I have to believe that in the end, honor and decency will prevail, what is she talking about? Stripping Rhaenyra of her rights? 
the boys being exposed as bastards? Like, what what is what is honorable and decent here? What does she think that means? That's the question. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like it's auto talking, and it's it's more of the self fulfilling prophecy stuff, right? Oh, we definitely get auto talking. Yeah. Um, I only say that the facade part because we see it all come down when she talks to Laris when they're having dinner together. Mm. And it's, yes. she's yeah. much more open and free and vulnerable with him than she is with Kristen Cole. She and is. We'll get and that. we'll get there. It will get yeah. there. But I think still, even in that conversation, conversation, she's, I think she still thinks she's morally in the right. We'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll and Laris won't take it. Yep. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah Laris. Yep. All, <laughs> yep. We'll get there. Uh, Allison walks in on Aegon jerking off. Oh my gosh. Pleasuring this, this him thing. while surveying his kingdom. Total disregard for his station. The ultimate sense of entitlement. It's a <laughs> great a meme. Couple of those, a couple of those screenshots got a lot of legs this week. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And frankly, Allison, I kind of get it. She's lived through far too much disgusting bullshit in her life to be put off by this. She's like, let's move on. Like, I don't need to, you know. Yeah, we've got bigger things to talk about. But yeah. the, but Allison, I hate to be crass here, everybody. He's, you you know that your son's doing this kind of stuff. Don't sit on your teenager's bed, okay? It's like, get a blacklight first and <laughs> survey the situation. Maybe remain standing. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I agree. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I have so many stories. I don't want to overshare. I'm not right. going to do yep. it. <laughs> let's, just, let's just plow right through it. Let's just keep going. Uh, Aegon uh, has no interest in being Kingscad. He really doesn't yeah. care. Yeah. Yeah, and, and he doesn't... I mean, I, I think this scene is meant to paint a, an Aegon that is just generally not serious. A teenager, kind of. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, but also one that doesn't... He doesn't want responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, he she asks about his brother. His immediate instinct is he's a twat. Yeah, he's an idiot. Like, I hate him. I hate my my brother sucks, <laughs> and he's right. But but like he doesn't. He's not holding back. Um, you know he he also is a teen. He lies straight to his mom's face about it being Jace who's you know running the whole thing. The mm-hmm. two of them. So he's willing to lie. Um, I think this scene is meant to show that Aegon is a bit, he's inconsiderate and selfish. He's really kind of unconcerned with his reputation. He thinks he can get away with kind of whatever. With he's his a mom. king's son kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, but the best part, you, you're right. The best part of the scene is to me, that one line when she talks about Rhaenyra, you know, taking the throne and Jace inheriting, he says, so that's he fine. Does not, he does not. Yeah. Then I then I won't challenge. Then I won't challenge. He doesn't care. He's not interested. He's like, great. So what? Life's great. I don't need to be king. Mm -hmm. Why are we making a big deal of this? And it it reminds me a little bit of uh, the last episode when Rayanus is talking with Corlys about what they're risking and why they're doing it. Why are why are we putting our son in this position for power, for prestige, for what? Right and. He's just not interested in any of that. Right. So it's not worth that. Let him be king. I don't care. You are the challenge. You are the challenge. Brilliantly delivered from Allison. The the paranoia 
in repeating almost verbatim, I think, Otto Hightower's words to her from the last episode. Those words have sunk in deep into Alicent, and she firmly believes them. For her, this isn't a situation of the throne. For her, this is life and death. Yeah. And I understand it. It's still no reason to be the type of person you're being to everybody else, Allison. Uh, and Aegon doesn't see that. Viserys doesn't see that. No one else seems to see that. She feels yeah. very alone. And I feel and for her for that. But I'm going to go back to the old well here. Again, the 10-year gap. So here's the thing. Those 10 years didn't go by in the blink of an eye for, for those characters. For us, they did. They went by in a week. But like, you could talk to each other. You could go, I mean, I know she feels betrayed and lied to by Rhaenyra, right? Yes. Like, let's, let's go have a conversation. Let's see if your sons are in danger. What if we support you and put our weight behind you as queen and don't ever claim anything? Are my sons mm -hmm. in danger? Like, let's feel that out, right? She, like, she just kind of takes Otto's word and just runs with it. We talked about it as a self-fulfilling prophecy. She's making it happen by yep. driving a wedge between them. Of course, yep. Rainier is going to feel threatened because you guys have grown apart for 10 years. Why not have a conversation? Just have a conversation. That's that's book, that show. Just talk to oh, each yeah. other. Yep. Totally. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Just talk to each other. Like, hey, Rainier, driving I love you my both kids. Bonkers. I love my kids. If you take the throne, are you going to murder them? Just want to know. It's conversation. Yep. And I'd love no, to think that Rhaenyra that would be like, no, I'm not going to kill your kids. Kill your kids? Why? <laughs> like, what? Where did you get that idea? Yeah. Like, holy crap. But then Rhaenyra is going to have people whispering in her ear, and Allison's going to have people whispering in her ear. Yeah. It's just awful. It's just awful all around. Rhaenyra is strong, though. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like... Listen, we don't know. We don't know. I don't feel like Rhaenyra would have done anything to those kids if there wasn't a threat. I agree. But we also know the realm has the realm has ideas. They don't want a woman queen. They want a male king. And maybe she would have felt pressured. We don't know. We'll never know, maybe, right? But um, you know, it it doesn't seem like something Ray and Era would do from what we know of her so far. Yep. Uh what I do know is Aegon's definitely going back to work before he gets dressed. That's He's gonna finish off. He's yeah. gonna finish off for sure. That kid. Do you think he'll go back to the window, or is just gonna grab? Nah, a he'll, he'll probably just make sure of it. Yeah. Like, uh, let's not go back to that well. All right. Well, uh, Damon and Lena. Yeah. Should we go to those two little lovebirds? <laughs> yeah, we finally get Vagar. I've been predicting it for like five episodes. Yeah. <laughs> But we don't get to see Lena get Vagar, which Vagar. is yeah. which is which is disappointing. Yes. Um, what happened? Well, the book tells us prudently the prince and his new bride, so they just got married. They took themselves far from Westeros soon after their wedding, crossing the narrow sea on their dragons. Damon was worried about how Viserys would respond to them getting married. They flew first to Pentos, where they were feted by the city's prince. Um the Pentoshi feared the growing power of the triarchy to the south and saw Damon as a valuable ally against three daughters. Good job, book. Or good job, show. You got that right? Good job, show. Everywhere they went, huge crowds turned out for a glimpse of Vagar and Caraxes. We got to see a little bit of that, too. I liked I that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and it says when Lena got pregnant, uh, Prince Damon and his wife settled in a manse outside the city walls as a guest of a Pentoshi magister until such time as the babe was born. So, good job, show. Yeah, filled that good in job, nicely. show. Way to get it right. Um, yeah, it's a it's a nice look as this opens with Vagar and Caraxes oh, flying so together. Cool. And, yeah. You know, it feels like a metaphor for these these two people maybe flying together through life and finding some sort of, maybe some sort of soulmate that they can relate to. But it's it's not that simple as we find it's out. It's not that simple. When they're on Dragonback, it seems like everything's okay. Yeah. It's when you got to come back down to earth. Yeah. Uh, but it was cool. It was, you know, they talk about the dance of the dragons and how mm -hmm. dragons, when they're in the air, almost feel like it's a dance. And it very much felt yes. like that, even with a big old whale of a dragon like Vagar. Uh, it was it was cool to see. Good buddy Pat D on Twitter this week, also I saw, said, so Vagar and Caraxes flying through the air, dancing together. That's the dance of the dragons and everything else will be fine after this, right? That was right? it. That was it. Paraphrasing, that's exactly what he tweeted. That's how I remember it. Alice and Rhaenyra are going to have a conversation like we talked about in episode seven. <laughs> it's fine. And then by episode 10, it's just roses. All the dragons flying together. <laughs> I did think it was interesting. Damon, no burns as he flew through the flame, Vagar's flames. Hated it. Not even his clothes hey. were singed. It just he yeah, went th so true. fast through. Yeah, uh, maybe. Uh, all I could think of when I saw that, I haven't seen a lot of it online, but all I could think of when I saw that, that scene was like, Oh God, now we're going to get the Targaryens are immune to fire shit again. Right. But it, I haven't seen it. So even Danny's clothes burned off when she, you know, they did. So. and yeah, he went really just, fast through really fast. Yeah. And maybe the dragon took most of it and created a vacuum of, you know, the flames kind of flew over its back. Maybe as it flew down. I, nope. Nope. College story. <laughs> it involved the zip line. It involved a swimming pool. It involved a person blowing fire. And it involved me singeing all the hairs off my arms. And I went by that fire blower really fast. And I still got the hairs on my arms, arms singed off. So, All right. So we have a little know. bit of uh, artistic license with the effect of fire <laughs> uh, in general. All right. I mean, if that's, if that's the worst <laughs> this, this show does, I'll live with it. But I do feel bad for your singed arm hair. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> uh i feel like when it, it when when we got finally get into the manse in pentos it does this mm -hmm. big pan across the table showing all this beautiful food i thought that yeah. was a nice call out to germ and his uh big time food descriptions food um, porn yeah. yeah we got we got the germ food porn uh visually rather than being described to us yeah but, and we get to see at that table bela and reyna mm -hmm, maybe my twins? new favorites these kids are adorable but cute Super cute. They're awesome. Yeah. Uh, in this scene, the, I don't know if it's the Magister of Pentos or just some noble or mm, yeah, uh, some noble yeah, guy. I don't know if they yeah. tell you really, nope. but he makes a generous offer. Really, a really a generous offer. Totally. But he's really just trying to buy Death Stars. Right? Yep. So this, this family has three dragons uh, to their name. He wants to keep them there as a defense mechanism against the Triarchy. Yep. Um, and I mean, Matt, if you could, would you buy a Death Star? I think uh, if I were in their position and the constant upheaval that the free cities are in, yeah, it's a nice insurance policy. 
for those that you don't know, the never free cities, find peace. You never yeah, find yeah. peace in these places. You are never fine. safe. You are ever. never safe. Seems like a good investment. They're hiring sellsword companies at all times. I mean, that Death Star will pay off over time. You're just giving them a manse and like, you know, a salary to live there for dragons to win wars. Man, I don't like that. Yeah. And Damon likes that. He likes to feel wanted, as we find yeah. out later. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where we kind of see some of the discord, right? Between yep. Lana and Damon. That Damon does seem intrigued by this offer. He likes not having the, you know, structures of, of being in Westeros, of this family pressure of behaving a certain way and doing certain things. Sure. Let's just live here. And it's a very, it's very transactional. Right, they pay us. We provide this, and we live happily. And he likes that. But Lana sees, she sees something more in Damon. That there's, you know, there's more to him. And and you can see a real, a real affection from her. Yeah, him, I think. which is really which, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's it's you know they they hint at it in Fire and Blood, right? That they really kind of were a bit soulmates. They both loved to dragon ride, and they were both free spirits, and they got along really well. But you can see a real deep tenderness, I think, at least from her toward him. That keeps her and, hanging on. And and also an expectation that she thinks he's better than this. Yep. Right? Yeah, and she's got yeah. a lot of patience for him. She does. But Damon's still Damon. Doesn't want responsibility. Doesn't want investments. Doesn't want anything holding him back, right? Right. Yeah, so we're talking about this conversation they have after dinner. And she bears her soul to him again. And talks about how she wants to be around her family and all of these different things, telling them her feelings. And he looks at her, he kisses her belly, the baby. Without a word, he turns back and just starts reading his books. Doesn't even acknowledge that she said anything. Dismissive. Yep. Yep. Damon gonna Damon. And that drives me nuts. It's Damon. Well, I mean. Yeah. Am I surprised? I shouldn't be. He's a bad person like him yeah. if you like but he's a bad person but then they throw these little bits at you again of right before this conversation he's sitting there having a really nice moment with Bela reading together chit-chatting and you're like oh he's a good dad we get reason maybe. to believe that yeah maybe maybe yep we'll get to that uh yeah Okay, uh, moving on. We next get, uh, oh man, perhaps the perhaps the biggest mover scene in the in, in the episode, right? Yeah, that kind of causes a causes some shift, right? Yeah, forces some people to act. Fire and Blood says the six boys. We've only got five here. Trained together under in the yard under the same master at arms. In this one, it's Kristen Colavole. Um. Noticing Allison's children, what color they're wearing? Green. Both of them in green. Mm -hmm, at the same note. And Rhaenyra's in black and red. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're already seeing the... So we talked about how they are kind of buddies, but they also have this rivalry. And we also see Viserys' blinders. of Just like, oh, look at my grandkids. Well, they're having such a good time. They'll pick each other up. The form bonds that will last forever. Yeah. Or or they're being separated by the barbs of Kristen Cole below. 
I wanted Lionel Strong to be like, when he's like, look at my grandkids, Lionel will be like, our grandkids. Ours. <laughs> Mine too. They like me more. I'm the, I'm the cool granddad. What'd you get them for Christmas? I got <laughs> Disneyland tickets. Uh, I got them a real father. Um, hey Hey. Uh, Akon's kind of funny in this scene. Right? He goes out and hacks, hacks down the little scarecrow right. guy. Look at me. My opponent sues for mercy, he says. <laughs> he gives a little bow. Yeah. He's kind of funny. Can I, mean, I go back to my room now? I don't hate him as much as I want to. Right, right. It's, it's very teenagery. He's very yeah. teenagery. And we see ourselves in that a little bit. Yeah, Brad, I mean, let the kid live. Give him some that sexual apathy and, yeah. Teach him about consent. You know, make sure he's okay. But like, Mm-hmm. Let's, let's let this kid breathe a little bit. He was smiling at the serving girls, mm-hmm. which in the book, even at a young age, he was known to pinch or fondle any serving girl who strayed within his reach. Which is why I said, let's teach him about consent. But right, yep, give yeah. him some boundaries. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then we get Harwin coming in. He's a mm-hmm. football dad. <laughs> I mean, hopefully, he's any dad. Right. Right. I mean. What are you doing? All, all, he, all he really asks for at the beginning is that the method should be applied to all peoples. Yeah. Like, can hey, we like I, get, get I my paid kids for in the swim there. lesson also. Can get my kids in there. My kids to swim. I also paid for this. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yep. But but you I don't know. I got the sense that Kristen favors Allison's kids for a very obvious reason. Oh, no question. Yep. Allison says too. It's totally there. It's 100 percent there. Yep. As a coach myself, I 100% hate it when parents assert themselves into the coaching situation. Yes, but Matt, this one says you're a good coach. (laughs) However, yes, Harwin is 100% right in what is happening here with these boys. And like you said, we're all paying the same fee here, Kristen. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Let's get my kids some time on the ice. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, I have a feeling so, Jace would go hard. Jace would go hard on the ice. Luke would too. They'd earn that playing time. Jace goes hard in the yard. I'll tell you that. That right. There, there's a natural the ferocity yard. to him, isn't there? Yeah. So he's younger. I don't know how much younger. Maybe like in the five book. Years. In the book, they're seven years apart. But yeah. of course, the timelines in this are very different. Very different. So, yeah. Feel, feels like maybe it's five. Yeah. Five four years maybe. Right. Hard to tell. Um, but uh, yeah, he he doesn't lack for effort. He gets pushed around a little bit, then comes back fiercely and attacks. Um, and then we kind of get Harwin blowing up. He stops. Ugly. He stops Aegon in the middle of uh, what is a pretty fierce attack, where with Kristen egging him on, telling him not to not to let up, not to let him get back up, not to let Jaceres get back up, and Harwin just grabs him, and Aegon says. You dare put your hands on me. And Viserys from above says, Aegon! Yeah. And Kristen says, you forget yourself strong. That is the prince. And you get the sense that we know perhaps he, Harwin has done something here that is overstepping. Mm-hmm. And maybe that Kristen senses it and, and pushes. Is jump on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the moment he's been waiting for, which this is one part where I'll agree with you on, you know, 
things going hunky-dory for nine, 10 years, and then all of a sudden you got to deal with the consequences. You have to imagine that Harwin has had these insinuations levied at him at least a few times over these past years. Maybe not directly as Kristen's doing it right here. Maybe not after his son just got the crap beat out of him or is going to get the crap beat out of him and is being treated the way he's being treated. Um, But I was a little surprised that Harwin, who'd apparently been so patient and keeping things under wraps for all these years, all of a sudden reaches his boiling point. Yeah. Yeah. It it feels like he would have got there sooner. Right. Harwin Harwin does not seem like a man to keep his complaints to himself. Or had trained himself by this point to just, shake it off and walk away. And so yeah, why would he Because he's been now? because he's been doing it yeah. for the past 10 years. Yes. So. Right. Agreed. Um it yeah, feels yeah, I agree. On the other hand, like I said, they're in a very tenuous situation where he just saw his son being, you know, being put through all this and yep. maybe it was just time. Yeah. And you know, you you very much get the sense that Kristen is really baiting him into this. Correct. Yep. And I don't know, maybe this, they decided at three kids. Now it's time to bait them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, let's why they didn't really, do it three years ago. I don't know, but that's really, now it's time. Her. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So, so in a cathartic moment for many of us, we're, we're burying the lead here. I mean, uh, it's great to watch. It's fantastic. Harwin beats the shit out of Kristen Cole. I mean, if it had gone another five or six blows, we might have been looking at a Joffrey situation. Correct. Uh, I mean, it's it's ugly. Um, and he gets pulled away by four members of the King's Guard. So now people like come in and pull yes. people away. Now yes. we're seeing it. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, and this is... We'll talk about it later, I guess, but it feels it, it feels like we're meant to think about the last episode where Kristen For sure. did a very similar thing. We'll yep. come back to it. I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and while it feels good for us, there are consequences. And are. in the next scene, Lionel Strong, normally so cool and composed, cool like the other side of the pillow, mm-hmm. takes his son to task. He does. Bends him over his knee. Um, strong fights are fierce fights. Harwin can break bones, but Lionel, he lays in. He goes he hard. Does. He does. And my first piece of advice is don't ever have a conversation anywhere in the Red Keep. It just doesn't work. It feels like someone's listening every time. Yeah. Just don't do it. Rhaenyra uses the same secret passageway she used. Yep, she does. Uh, when she went out for her little midnight jog with Damon all those episodes and years ago. Um, And like I said before, it felt like, and and you mentioned maybe it took too long, but you see a lot of Rhaenyra's face in this scene Mm -hmm. and a lot of, oh, crap. Oh, crap, maybe. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I think I alluded to it earlier. This This is Rhaenyra's crime to me, at least her first real crime. It's negligence. Right. She's counting on the willing blindness of basically everybody to look the other way while she clearly has this relationship with this other guy and has kids that look just like him. 
it's negligence. You're yep. It's it's will it's it's willful negligence almost. It's putting everyone in danger, and you compare that to Allison, who's doing everything possible to protect her kids, right? Yeah. And then you've got Rhaenyra, who's like, "Yeah, it's gonna be all right. They'll be yeah. fine." Because my dad. Yeah. Because my dad. That's right. That's it. My dad. My yep. dad. I, I, she's taking for granted her position, mm-hmm. which she should have seen in that scene where she went with Damon into the, into the city. That's not a position you should be taking for granted, right? Like, yes, it's yours. It's yours to lose. You deserve it. You've been proclaimed the heir, but how about act like it? Sorry. Yep. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not holding back. And the the flimsy shield of Viserys, the dude's a freaking crypt keeper, freaking crypt keeper. Like, Limsier by the day. That left like, that left arm ain't holding the buckler anymore. <laughs> We're looking at Emperor Palpatine levels of frailty. It's yes. just not looking okay. good. I mean, he's one step away from the guy at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark who gets <laughs> like this is where we're at, people. <laughs> hey kids, go watch Raiders of the Lost Ark with you. It's a good one. Um, it said in the book, amongst the greens, it was an article of faith that the father of Rhaenyra's sons was not her husband, but her champion, Harwin Strong. An article of faith. That's a tenant of belief, right? So Matt, you're the expert on faith, but uh, faith usually you know, doesn't require evidence. The greens have ample evidence. Right. Yeah. It's all over the place. <laughs> not a lot of faith required here. Like in in my faith, Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, we have what are called the Articles of Faith. There's 13 of them. And they're basically like the high-level tenets of the doctrine of our church. Like if you want to know what do, quote-unquote, the Mormons believe, look up the 13 Articles of Faith. It lines them out from a very high level that you can always turn back to. And so that rang true for me that this being an Article of Faith is just like this is the basic tenant of everything we're about as Allison's <laughs> supporters is this. Number one, Ray Nira is evil. Number two, her kids are illegitimate. There's only two. That's it. That's it. There's only two. That's all. Church of Jesus Christ is 13. We got two. <laughs> this the is them. Allison, so. the, church, the Church of the Greens. Says. We only need two. Uh, yep. So we get a scene Later. next with uh, Rhaenyra and Leonor. Leonor's no Boy Scout. I mean, he's not doing anything. He's not doing anything they didn't agree to, but he's doing it pretty casually. Yep. You know, like when they made that agreement, I'm like, okay, like they'll invite people over and they'll have relationships in secret and make it, you know, kind of not obvious. And maybe over those ten years, they've just gotten careless and reckless, but. Leonor I mean, is, we're accusing Rainer of the same thing. <laughs> Le- Leonor is not being careful. Nope. He is being absolutely reckless, just like Rainer is, and it's irresponsible as shit. Mm-hmm. He sucks also. Welcome to Scott's pulpit. Everyone sucks. <laughs> welcome to George R. R. Martin. Welcome to, <laughs> heck, welcome to humanity. Yeah. Uh, buckle in and just deal with it. Yeah. Um, should. Rhaenyra expects Leonor to be more dialed into the gossip of the kingdom. 
Probably. She isn't. Why she, she feels be? like she is now. Now, after that one conversation last scene, she mm-hmm. feels like she is. That's what right? I mean. She's like, don't you know what's going on? And it's like, well, yeah, yeah. you were pretty yeah. good at ignoring it for nine yeah. years. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're both, they're both, they're, they're both complicit in the denial of what everyone actually knows about them and sure. e- equally to blame about it not being a secret. Mm-hmm. I'll just put it that way. Um, Lenore, Lenore, really excited to go to the Stepstones. Unlike his book counterpart, who is not warrior-y at all, uh, yeah. he's craving this. He wants to yeah. get back out there. Rakelio yeah. Rindoon, baby. Yep, yep. Rakelio Rindoon, who in the book appears only a year after the Crab Feeder, yeah. but we've spread that out a little bit, and that's okay. Um, he says, "I've played my part here faithfully for ten years." I mean, what, what did you, did you, did you sign a 10 year contract or did you sign, you know, like a marriage agreement forever, buddy? He feels like he needs some freedom. (laughs) He's had it. She points it out. You've had it, dude. Look at you. You've been drinking and carousing and doing whatever the hell you want for 10 years. Don't make it seem like you've been in prison. The thing is though, this is all a family and he's not really a part of that family. Yeah. Right. He's the outsider. So, so while I'm like, dude, chill out a little at the same time, my heart hurts for him a tiny bit, knowing that he is kind of the outsider in this family. And yeah, I can see where he'd want to like assert his freedom a little bit. Have something real. Yeah. 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 And so again, there's those moments where I'm like, I feel that man. I feel that. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I right. agree with you. It's complicated. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I have you know some sympathy for him, but this, this is what you agreed to. So, and that's what it comes back to, and that's what Rhaenyra yeah. comes back to. Yeah, rightfully I have so for you, but sorry. Rightfully you know? so. Like we're we are a family, regardless. You yep. put a ring on it, buddy, and uh, we got to sail into what, the storm together. That's right. But here's what sticks to me, sticks out to me about this scene the most. Rhaenyra is talking to just one, just one dude, just Leonor, who they're, you know, they're on the same page. They're complicit in this. They know exactly what the situation is. Don't have to hide anything. Don't have to hide anything from each other. And she continues to call this dark rumors are nipping at our heels. Dark rumors? Rhaenyra, who the fuck do you think you're fooling? How can you how can you be this two-faced to yourself and to your husband who knows the truth that these are dark rumors instead of the absolute truth? Mm-hmm. How can you lie to yourself like this? And those people that say Rainier does nothing wrong, yes, living a lie is wrong. You shouldn't be living a lie. She's living it. She believes these are rumors and not the truth. How can how can you be that two-faced? Yep, I feel that. My only explanation is her wondering if someone's listening in. Which in the Red Keep is a fair wonderment. She knows some of those secret passageways and stuff. Yeah, that's true. But uh, but her entitled her entitled lie life yeah. is it's bothersome to watch and then watch people just excuse it. Yep, because you can. Because you can. Mm-hmm. Then we That's get, what it comes down to. 
then we get a, a scene with Leanna again uh, with one of her daughters, Rayella. No, Rayana. Rayana. Mm-hmm. Uh, poor Rayana. She's just trying to hatch her egg after, I don't know, what is she, seven? Yeah. Something. A lot like Amond. She's yep. tied up her very value as a human being into having a dragon. In having it's a so dragon. Sad. And it's heartbreaking. A little cinnamon yep. roll, just trying so hard. Mm hmm. She, just she legitimately thinks she's going to be kicked out of the house and put out on her own because she hasn't, she doesn't have a dragon. She's not bringing a death star to the table, man. What else is her value? And I think, you know, she says, Father ignores me. Mm-hmm. Which I believe he does because it's Damon we're talking about here. <laughs> why, why would you not believe? I'll definitely believe the seven year old over Damon Targaryen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One is, I didn't, I don't read a ton of stuff on the old fandom stuff, but I did read one that really bothered me that they were excusing that and that no, Damon, oh, yeah. he doesn't point. ignore, he doesn't, he doesn't ignore. She's just, he's just really tied up in, you know, wanting to connect with Bela and everything. And he doesn't have anything com- in common with Reyna. I don't care if you don't have anything in common with your freaking kid. You can still be a present father if you have zero things in common with your child. You and you can Allison- let them know that you love them. <laughs> Do you think Allison cares about those bugs? Those centipede thingies? She, she doesn't, doesn't care. Crap. She's just trying. Do you think I like the YA vampire books my daughter's reading? No. Yes, I think you do. Yeah, zero you do. interest. But oh, you know what? When we're driving to and from volleyball practice, we talk about those books the whole time. And it's fine. Man, I hope that's a short trip. It's like a five-minute five drive, right? It's solid 25 minutes, buddy. Oof, it's man. North Salt Lake. Are they the glittery it's, ones? Um, They're not super glittery. Okay. Okay. It's uh, you guys know these ones. I don't even. I might not even be vampires. Um, her mortal instrument, the mortal instruments. No I've idea. heard other people talking about them. I can tell you all about them, buddy. Nope. No, I don't go to volleyball. Don't subject me. <laughs> uh, Lana kind of excuses it. She yeah, says he's, he's doing, doing his, his best. best. Oh shh. That's that's what I say about my child um, learning to wash the dishes. Yep. And failing. Mm. He's, he's doing his he's learning, he's doing his best. He's you were best. doing so good for me, Lena, but that didn't like that. Nope. Yeah. Ray deserves better. That's not... that's my summary of the scene. Ray and it deserves better. Yep. Yep. Might be the most heartbreaking scene of the whole show for me. Was this one. <sighs> That that or the Corliss one, um, maybe. Well, there there have been a lot of heartbreaking. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry of the episode. But, I'm, I'm oh yeah, okay. This episode. Yeah. Well, no, there's a there's a big one that that tugs at the old heartstrings coming up in a minute. Coming up. This one was this one was there. Again, I would have loved to have seen Lena bond with Fagar. I wish we could have seen how that happened. Yeah. yeah. Um. Then Lena goes on the roof to try to again snap Damon out of his funk. And uh this scene didn't seem as quite as impactful or necessary to me. It felt like just a continuation of the last scene. It ended the same way, even. 
of him just dismissing her basically. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of similar themes. Uh, you know, you get more of Lena wanted to go home specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, you do get the sense that Damon is maybe unhappy with the marriage. Uh, how can I sleep with you haunting my every move? He says, um, and then you get, you do get a nice moment to me. Uh, not, it's not a nice moment, but it's a, it shows me that Lana is maybe the most self-aware character we have in the show. Like in this mess of characters, mess of miscreants that we've got here in house of the dragon, she knows she maybe isn't exactly what Damon wants, but she can't mm-hmm. give him what she wants. She's kind of made her peace with it. She's okay with it. And she is who she is. And she's okay with that too. Yeah. Um, and it's heartbreaking a little bit, yeah, but it is. I, I think maybe it's a, it's a good, it's a good goodbye scene for Lana to see like really who she is and you know, how, how well she knows herself and her, and her husband. How well she um, knows the, herself. The man yeah. I married is more than this. Mm-hmm. She says to him, spoiler, he isn't Damon sucks. Uh, unless you just mean that he's a cruel warrior, in which case that's true. And maybe that is. Yeah, she sees something in him. That's a heck of a basket to put all your eggs in, Lena. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Council meeting? Can't have a House of the Dragon episode without a council meeting. I love them. They're my favorite scenes. Usually. They are great. They do so much character building. They move so quickly. Little, little looks. Little. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. so much fun. Um, this is, I, I don't remember a lot of instances, save maybe Queen Alisanne, of a queen sitting in on council. Actually, we saw it with Cersei too in Game of Thrones, uh, as the queen consort, but I don't, I don't know how common it is that the queen herself is in these council meetings. She's not just sitting there, Matt. She's driving it. She's participating. Yeah. I mean, Viserys, you get the sense maybe has like the final word, but mostly she's kind of making all the calls, Yep. you know, and if there's a conflict, Viserys will kind of be like, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But she seems like she's driving the action to me. Poor Beesbury. Really <laughs> set so him up to be <laughs> senile and passed it. Yep, he's done. Uh, he's he's still talking about the Bracken and Blackwood conflict, um, you know, while they've moved on to the Stepstones. And it kind of um, leaves you wondering, like, I think it's meant to sow little seeds of doubt, like, oh, this is who is running the kingdom mm-hmm. which of course could be a commentary about certain, certain countries certain hours. today mm-hmm. back to house of the dragon um one noticeable absence is grandmaster melos gone. He gone and yeah, we, we don't get even a note about it nope he don't even say anything last 10 years yeah okay. he gone um Replaced by Orwell, who mm-hmm. we met a little bit in the last episode. Uh, and previously, I think in episode one, he was a very brief scene. But that's that's why I think I think it's notable that Melos is gone. And all of a sudden, Viserys, although he doesn't look great, is still alive and kicking and has made it these past 10 years. You have to wonder if once a new guy came in and implemented his care regi- regimen for Viserys, if things got at least to a holding pattern to where, you know, he wasn't maintained. Right. Yeah. 
we get him to a, a nice plateau yep, <laughs> of where he's at least not getting any worse. Yeah. So uh, we do have one new council member as well. I we do. what it might be. I think it's, is it Jasper wild? You you've uh, according to IMDB as well. It is Jasper wild. Yeah. yeah. Iron rod. They call him in fire. And blood. Yeah. Who takes over as the master of laws. Uh, which was previously Lionel Strong. So you wonder if Wild has maybe been around there for a while and he was the one that took over right after Lionel yes. was made hand. So, yeah. But then we get to what is really the highlight and the the moment maybe of the episode. Mm. Um, you know, we had the fight with Harwin and Kristen, but this is really the moment. Um, you know, Rhaenyra has been com- coming to some realizations here in this episode, right? Overhearing Lionel, you know, understanding... She's feeling the power the dynamic here. She's the fuzz is on to her. And she is from a position of weakness, I think, making an offer to Alicent. It's an offer to Alicent, not to Viserys. In front of everybody. To, in front of the whole council there to marry her son, Jaceris, to Alicent's daughter, Helena. She... It's it's pretty masterfully done, Matt. She admits some fault in the past to the widening gap and apologizes for it. She right. calls upon the past friendship that they had to kind of get some you know some emotion in there between them. She calls out the fact that they are really just one house, and then she uses some strength. My son will inherit. My son will inherit. That is ironclad. And then beyond that, she throws the olive branch. Let's let's unite the houses. Let's let's get this marriage done. We'll even get some dragon eggs in there. And then she throws the cherry on top. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'll give Aemond a dragon egg, which is you know a kingly gift. It's yep. it's really well done. And what's Allison's response, Matt? What does she do? We'll think about it. We'll think about it. But first, she oh, says, but, uh, "You're dripping, sweetheart. You're, uh, you got uh, your boobies." Yeah, take a peek there. Instantly demeans her, brings her down. Ridiculous. I mean, yeah. I'm not a woman. I don't want. I don't want to comment. I don't want to really comment about it exactly, but it feels like some real girl on girl crime here, uh, as they put it in in uh, Mean Girls. Uh, seems like that should be beneath Allison's. And again, as she's shown this episode, cruel. Yeah, it's just cruel. Viserys loves the idea. He's like, this solves yes. every single one yeah. of my problems. This makes everything Why didn't okay. I think of this? <laughs> this is wonderful. Well done. He always wants the easiest path. This is easy. Mm-hmm. It would work out great. Jace would probably be a great little husband for Helena. Problem solved. Hard to know. Hard to I know, mean, but it, they seems, are... it seems like a reasonable solution. Uh, yeah. it does seem to kind of imply like maybe, well, I mean, she is offering from a place of weakness, but maybe she never meant any harm to the kids. She's proposing a marriage here. Let's all just get along. And you think that would resonate with Allison? If Allison's real priority is the safety of her kids, which is what a lot of this episode really puts you toward is that she cares about the safety and lives of her kids why not accept this? Mm-hmm. I got news for you, Allison fans. 
it's because it's not the only thing she cares about. It's not like the only a- thing she cares about. Yeah, there's another queen that yeah. uh, we've had these conversations about, and they're not an apple to apple comparison. Nope. Um, but in this, it's not just the children. It's not just the children. There's, I mean, it, it, maybe it is the children, but it's their place too. It's not just the safety, it's mm-hmm. their promotion. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's about the promotion of their house and their their line, which, you know, again, back to the Rayanus and Corliss conversation. What what are we doing this for? Are we worried about his life and happiness and safety? Or are we worried about power and prestige and control? And she makes this decision very quickly and undercuts, to me, all the arguments about Allison's just trying to protect her kids because yeah. this would have done it in to me in one moment and one fell swoop. And now, even the, now, as I go, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I mean, there, there is, mm-hmm. you know, people use marriage in Westeros for lots of different things, right? Uh, you, if you, if you send your daughter to get married to some other house, they're in that daughter is kind of in your control. They kind of have, you know, kind of like fostering children. They've got, they've got your kids, right? kind of like Sansa, right? And so, um, you know, there is some risk in doing it, but you're the same house. Like what, what, what's the risk? You're, you're all right there. You're all going to be right there anyway. I don't know, man. Feels, it feels like this is a no brainer. If, if the safety of your kids is what you're really concerned about. Yep. Yep. Now that I think about it, she's drawn some pretty hard lines in the sand. We talked about dressing her kids in green while the others are red and black, like she is trying to separate herself from Rhaenyra and establish herself and her family in the ruling class of Westeros. And And look, she's not okay. It's not like she's the only person to ever do this. I don't want to like set her apart from other people that have done these things. But like, she's no saint. Yep. She's made a choice here. That it's not about safety, it's about promotion. Yep. And she continues to talk about how it's going to be over her dead body as she abruptly ends the council meeting. <laughs> yep. And over the argument continues all the way up to the king's chambers. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of this interesting moment of her fussing over Viserys, even as they argue, right? She's. Okay putting the pillow where he needs it, putting his blanket on him, even though he's protesting. And that is the kind of filling in the 10 year gap that I like Mm -hmm. to see. It kind of shows this feeling of a long marriage where there's Mm -hmm. none of that warmth that you and I talked about early on where they weren't like romantic, but they were like warm with each other. They found like companionship and they could talk easily to each other and counsel with each other. You see that the 10 years have eroded that. And like. it's and it's just like it's like curmudgeon old people that are just helping each other, you know, like put your pillow behind your seat and <laughs> and, and obviously Allison's still and she's young, not but... really delicate about it. She's not like, oh, lean forward, you know, it's just like, <laughs> like uh-huh. it. but you've seen that. And I don't blame her. I don't people blame her that have been it. married for a while, yes, right? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um she calls Rainier a desperate. Viserys calls Rhaenyra sincere. She's mm-hmm. both. She's both. She They're is. both right. Yeah, good point. 
Um, but I think for Allison, you know, par part of me thinks, you know, as much as we just said, she's, she's making this about power and control and not about safety. Part of me is just like, again, the more morality thing. Allison feels morally superior. My daughter's going to marry a bastard. Yeah, no, nope. That kid's a bastard. My daughter's not marrying a bastard. No, can't do it. Right? Yep. Says the one that just wants to protect her children. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. All right. But she yeah. she has a different kind of moral code, and I'm not excusing it necessarily, but bastards to her are, you know, it's a no-go. Right. No-go or death. I don't know. Yep. Ah, but treat other people like crap. That's no problem. Yeah. It's beyond her morality. Yes. So, so Lionel yeah. tries to resign in this scene. Doesn't go well for him. Doesn't go well. Um, similar to the auto scene uh, earlier, where Viserys is demanding that Otto give reasons and information in clear detail. Lionel refuses to do so. Yeah. Won't do he, it. Tries to resign. Up, no. And is therefore told, you can't resign. If you can't tell me why, you can't resign. And mm -hmm. I was like, mm, okay. Like, yeah. It's yeah. an interesting pattern with Viserys where he tries to brush everything under the rug. You know, he's very much just like, sweep this under, let's forget about it, move on. But when it comes to his daughter, when it comes to Rhaenyra and allegations and things like that, he's like, nope, I need to hear exact details. Yeah. Which is interesting because he doesn't do that with Allison. He's like, shut up, Allison. Don't talk about yeah. this again. But when He's, it comes to his hands, like you said, Otto, Lara, or Lionel, no, tell me everything. Let's hear it. Let's face the storm yeah. head on. Maybe it's family versus not family. I don't know. Although I don't know. Lionel, yeah. Lionel technically is family now, dude. But Your in-laws. <laughs> uh Allison almost when 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 Lionel tries to resign, the look on on Allison's face, wonderful work by is it, is it Emily Carey, mm -hmm. wonderful work by Emily, just she, like she can't believe this treasure that just fell into her lap. Well, this is like, happening. Oh, oh, oh my God! Wow, great. Let's do this. We got Grandpa. Yeah, tell him. <laughs> tell him, Lionel. Tell, tell him. him. Tell him almost why like, you want to resign. Almost like Cole's confession. Remember Cole's confession? She's like. Whoa. Oh, okay. Like she didn't she was not expecting this thing to fall in her lap like it did. Uh but it doesn't go her way this time. Yeah. Um and they of course agree to this to settle on Lionel will take Harwin back to Heron Hall, get him out of the storm, remove yep. him completely from the situation. Uh in the book, it's Viserys that dismisses Harwin. This is a small change here that I think makes sense. So, sure. All right. Yeah, and here's he's just removed from the city watch, and then they decide to send him back. Uh huh. So next we get Allison and Laris in uh, a pretty interesting scene. Laris is the best. He's the worst. And by best we mean, but he's the he's best. Awful. Yeah. Meat without wine is also a sin. Mm -hmm. as an explanation to why he's eating and drinking without Allison. Oh, I took uh, the liberty of beginning without you, your grace, which is tremendous foreshadowing to yes. what's yep. going to happen later. What's about to happen. Yep. Uh -huh. um, 
and you can it's interesting he's uh i don't know if they've really pointed this out in the show i don't think they really have but one of the titles that he has is a confessor right mm -hmm. meaning that he's he gets people to talk he's an interrogator mm -hmm. right yeah and they sit down and you can tell they've done this before Alicent and Laris because her every guard every she has just comes completely down she yeah. lays it at the door when she comes in and she is just spilling her guts with no reservations yep. it's really interesting Tuesday night bingo with dinner mm -hmm. we did yeah. every Tuesday yeah. yep standing appointment and she has no like, now don't tell anyone I told you this, or I shouldn't say anything. She just no. is like, <laughs> he's like, I out. heard that I heard that you have some information for me, Queen, the Queen, your grace. Yes. I hear you yes. have some information for me. And she's like, as a matter of fact, I <laughs> do. <laughs> uh, she spills it all. And I wonder if that ease of sharing comes from his his honesty. Sure. She, you know, she talks about the fact that uh, there's a willful blindness. Uh, you know that that Viserys has, and he calls her out and he says, "If it, if if we're on the other, if the shoe were on the other foot, you'd have it too." No, and she vehemently she vehemently denies it that she would have this willful blindness, and she's already doing it mm -hmm. with Aegon. She did it twice today, denying that Aegon, you know, maybe started this thing, denying that Aegon is masturbating in the window, and that there might be some course correction behavior to, to happen here and that he's you know that he's the best and going to be king someday without any sort of training or improvement she's denying all sorts of shit right now mm -hmm. willful blindness to her own kid she's yep. denying it and doing it in the same day yep all of it and then, and then as you as you alluded to go ahead uh, are we going to would, no, you, but he would be partial to me. <laughs> that I think that is that where you were going? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. To the point her guard is so down mm -hmm. that when he's like, no, Otto would uh, be partial to everything too if he were back as Hannah the King. No, but he would be partial to me. Yes. At which point you have to say there it is. That comment she made to Kristen about well honor and decency winning the day or whatever it was mm -hmm. earlier in the episode she's not looking nope, for fairness nope. or she decency wants... or accuracy or even the truth she just wants the throne she, she wants, wants to win yeah. she wants to get what she wants however it happens mm -hmm. that's it partial to me yep moral high grounds matt are a real bitch yep tumble she down just awful feel, fast she just feels so right and so much better than everyone else she's willing to compromise all of the things she thinks she stands for to get to be in charge because she thinks she's better than everyone else. Yeah. Ends justify the means kind of shit. He would be partial to me. But you're right about Laris being the best. Oh my gosh. This <laughs> actor who I've never seen before in my yeah. life just comes in. He comes in and when he has this, uh, it's almost like he flips a switch when he's turning on authority Laris. Yeah. His voice gets deeper. Did you notice that? Like, I didn't notice that, but I like it. If you watch it again, like later on when he's narrating that final montage. Oh yeah, I couldn't recognize his voice. You don't yeah. know it's him. Yeah, It's like he turns on, he's, his voice gets deeper and more mm -hmm. sinister. Mm -hmm. And he does it when he, in this next scene, when he goes down to the prisons, you don't know, you don't know it's him talking either until he comes out because his voice is, he's got his authority voice on 
It's like, yeah. oh man, yeah, there's yeah. something to this guy. Yeah, and in fire, it's it's interesting. Well, we'll probably come back to it. We'll come back to it in a minute with, okay. with how he's in fire and blood. But so we do get that little jail scene where he goes and recruits a few people to be essentially what looked like his version of Varus's little birds. Mm-hmm. Uh, he removes their tongues and they're going to go do some work for him. Oh, for very graphic their scene. lives. Mm-hmm. Pretty graphic, pretty terrible looking. Yeah. yeah. So then we okay. get uh, Leanna again mm-hmm. for the last time. Uh, same situation as that of Emma, mm-hmm. which we remember Damon made fun of and mocked. Did he? I remember him talking to Rhaenyra at the pyre and saying it was a terrible thing that happened to her. Oh, and but then after, later on in the like the brothel and everything, partying, yeah, yeah. talking yeah. about the prince for a day or whatever. Yes, right. Yep. Um, obviously, this one's a little different, uh, whereas Viserys gave leave for his wife to be killed. Damon was unwilling to pull that trigger. Looked like looked like his finger was on the trigger. He was thinking it about off. it though. He... he put it on, put it off, put it on, put it on, and then she was gone. Mm-hmm. The way I like to read this scene, and I'm not sure I'm right, but I like to read this scene as Leanna, Leanna had agency. She made and the choice. Exactly. Took the and... choice out of Damon's hands. I'm not sure he'd made one yet, but she took it out of his hands. And that's the key scene to all this. That's the key to all of this is Lena, unlike Emma and unlike every other woman, it seems like we've had the pleasure of seeing she's going to go out on her own terms. A dragon rider. And it's yeah. brutal and it sucks. Which she alluded to earlier in the scene, in the, earlier in the episode, right? About yeah. going out her own way as a dragon rider. Yeah. They she, do it. Bra- breaking the cycle of dying in the childbed. Yep. And you just feel for Reyna in that moment. Like that's the first person I thought of is like Reyna's lost her only ally here. Vagar yes. um, looks centuries old. They did such a good job of making it look like kind of like Viserys almost. <laughs> maybe, maybe they did too good a job, Matt. My note is sorry, but Vagar looks terrible. He looks, looks like awful. a low budget. Looks like a low budget animatron to me. Oh, you're saying like I think you know, it's, it totally takes me out. Of really? really bad. Oh, didn't for now, me. The eyes, Matt. The eyes. I couldn't look at his eyes. I can't stop. Okay. They they eyes. almost look like milky old. Like he looks centuries old. I, I feel like they were pretty bright. Yeah. The rest of him looks like he could melt at any moment. Mm-hmm. Or or her. I don't actually know the the gender of Vegar, but. Um, it's fluid, but, uh, right? With dragons? Yeah, dragon. Yep, yep. Gender fluid frequently. We should refer um, to them as they. Sure. You can do that going forward. Um, I don't know. It took me out of it. I, But I admit, you know, I'm not a dragon guy, Matt. I'm sure. not losing some listeners here. I could care less about the dragons. I really we've, don't care. We've talked about that before. The dragons yeah. are popcorn Meh. to us. Yeah. In these, yeah. They're cool. They look nice. I like them, but it's not what I'm here for. I'm watching it for the conflict between yeah. the people the human conflict yep so anyway he lights her on fire or sorry they light uh Lana on fire and she gone and that's it 
In the book, Lena gave birth, but the baby was twisted and deformed, and yep. she died trying to get to Vagar. Yeah, this is better. Maybe for one final ride, this one works. Works for this me. Is better. Yep. Yeah, I it's better. love the idea of giving her that agency. Um, it was a strong yeah, statement and one worth making, I think. Agreed. Yeah. Especially given the themes and how hard they've hit them with childbirth in this, in this series, right. in this show. It, yeah, it works really well. It works. But also terrible. Sorry. Yeah. Diana. And then the heartbreak continues. Heartbreak mm-hmm. Harwin. Uh, this was the scene, of course, that I was referring to that tugged at old daddy mm-hmm. Matt's heartstrings. Yeah. Um, saying goodbye to his sons, which is hard enough already, but not being able to say it in the manner that you want, right? In the sincerity that you want, having to play it off like, hey, I'm just a family friend. I'm going away for a while, but I'll see you soon, but not too soon. You and I are going to disagree on this one. You reap what you sow, Matt. You played a game for 10 years. This is what you get. You, if, you, if you don't put in the work to get the reward, you don't get the reward. You don't get to have the, the pretty goodbye. You don't, you don't get to do it the right way because you didn't do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Like he gets no pity from me, nor does Rhaenyra. Not in this. That's why you and I are good co-hosts, because you're not wrong. <laughs> and what I'm saying is, even though he reaps what he sows and deserves it, it's still hard to say goodbye. Yeah. And it still tugs at my heartstrings. Right, and it still right. makes it me tug- go, yeah. and it still makes me go, oh, and it makes me put myself in his situation and go, oh, when he says, I'll be a stranger to you when we meet again, talking to yeah. the baby Joffrey, mm-hmm. that you could tell just the anguish. And yeah, you brought it on yourself, you know, cake and eat it too, all that. But uh, that sucked. It was hard for me. It was hard for this guy. You you see in Harwin somebody that wants to be a good dad, and that's what makes it hard. Absolutely, he wants to be. He do, he probably doesn't want to be reading this lie. He probably had this conversation with Renera a dozen times, and Renera had the same conversation with him that she had with Cole. I can't do that. I'm the queen, right? And but you know, the fact I'm not. Yeah. Go ahead. And maybe that's part of her kind of weakness for him that we've seen that that slowly she's let him in more and more and more and more until he's always around. Yeah. <laughs> even Jace like seems kind of confused and uncomfortable by it. And we find out in just a second that it's because he's starting to put pieces together. But in the scene, it's like when I first watched the scene before he asked mom, if that was his dad, he's kind of uncomfortable. And I was almost like, he was thinking, like, okay, family friend, you're leaving. Like, yeah. Okay. Bye. <laughs> but also there was there was feelings within him that's like, I don't want him to go to mm-hmm. his family friend, you know? Right. Yeah. There's more there. He is a cool guy. You know, he took us to the dragon pit and let us pick out an egg once. That was awesome. Mm. And yep. And he so Rhaenyra as toys he with leaves, us. says, We'll send ravens, it'll be fun. Mm-hmm. And he dispen Jaceris just dispenses with it. Is Harwin my dad? Man, you were a Targaryen, not a Valarian. Mm-hmm. Not a Valarian. You are a Targaryen. Targaryen. That is all that matters. Yeah, fine. It's all that matters. The blood argument sucks. Yep. Here again. Yep. But 
it matters to them. Also, let's get that kid a haircut. Uh, <laughs> I like anything else for this scene? No, but I titled this next part, Rhaenyra and Lenora moving. Carl can come. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They'll need every sword they can get, she says. I don't have much yeah. to say about this one. Other than it was a kindness. It's her kind of extending in her own way, kind of an olive branch to Lenore. I recognize that you're feeling the way you're feeling right now. Bring your boyfriend. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, I guess plot-wise, we just throw a quick note out. Like, what's really happening here is Rhaenyra is seeing that maybe the knives are out. There's risk here. We're leaving. And she even admits we should have done this a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what's happening, you know, politically and plot-wise in this scene. Yeah. Um, she, you know, Leonor says that Alice will pour honey in the king's ear. Um, she will. We know that. She's been doing it. Uh, but And Rhaenyra knows it too. But it's worth it now to leave. It is worth it. And, you know, we've got a guy who's invested in the safety of my husband. Why not have him around? And so when she yep. says we'll have the need of all the swords we can get that's not just an excuse to bring him you know maybe she honestly feels like this guy could be a benefit to us absolutely yeah in Definitely. the book carl Corey is a soldier a knight a landed knight sworn to driftmark sworn to house mm. valarian so it even makes sense for him to be going back there just going home yep oh, i'm not with you guy can we share a cab just I'm I'm going there. Cab. Anyways, yeah. yep. <laughs> dirty cab driver. Uh, Reach round and end montage. We got a lot going on here. Yeah, uh, we happens very hit quickly. A couple things. Mm-hmm. We have the fire at Heron Hall, which we see these criminals that Laris has freed and uh, taken their tongues. We see them show up. Matt, I don't know why they're wearing Laris's symbol. Seems like if you take somebody's tongues, it's because you don't want them talking about who hired them. And yet you're decorating them with the symbol that you own. Seems weird. Seems like a dumb mistake unless I'm missing something by the show. It's not super smart. I mean, uh, unless but- there were like other Laris conspirators who they were meeting with there. And it's oh, like yeah, we identify ourselves by yeah, the sense. sigil we're wearing, but we don't get any indication of that. Maybe just give them like a cool hand signal to like right. Uh, you know, yeah, put a let them bead put a bead in their hair or something. Yeah, something, something. Secret <laughs> handshake. I don't know where the bead in the hair they gave. Shave and a haircut. <laughs> so they so they set fire to Heron Hall, or at least part of Heron Hall, and murder uh both Lionel and, and Harwin. They gone. Yeah. A, a lot of death today. Uh so we got we got the magic of the Harwin Rhaenyra relationship for one episode. I really, you know, you could see something there. I liked what they kind of had. I'd like to have seen more. I would have liked to have seen more. We don't get to. Nope. They go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get this, yeah, we get this uh, voiceover that you were talking about. What are children but a weakness is how I think it starts. Yeah. Cheat the great darkness of its victory through children. Right. If you have children and you die, you live through them. Right. You can cheat the great darkness of its victory. It mm-hmm. will keep you from the dust. 
but love keeps you from doing the right thing, even though you can, even though you know what the right thing is. Says love is a downfall, it says, just as Damon walks away from his daughters. Mm -hmm. Just a beautifully shot scene with this voiceover, uh, well-timed, put in the right spots. Yeah, said who said by the man who just killed his father and brother. Yeah, yes. Right? Yeah. Love keeps you from doing the right thing. Well, not for Laris. <laughs> not if you don't really love him. Yep. Uh, we see a, a telling shot of King Viserys crying pretty despondently over Emma's ring. He's holding mm -hmm. a ring in his hand, and if we, the, the close observer will see that it was Emma's ring. Um, and you have to wonder as he's kind of seen what his relationship with Alicent has devolved into. Uh, you can kind of understand. And holding yeah. on to those deeply, those deeply rooted feelings he had for her and maybe that regret that he has for the way things ended, which of course was yeah, with I mean, him authorizing her death. So. And also, should I have never remarried? All this conflict that yeah. we have now, you know, would I have had it had I not remarried in this mm -hmm. way? Right? Some yep. real regret there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Love is a downfall. Um, yeah. Then, of course, it's the only we downfall get... that matters, Matt. I'll take it. I will take it. If this is my downfall, I will fall hard. There's a song in 100%. that. There's a song in that, isn't there? There's something in there. Said the two guys that just went to Matt Nathanson a couple days ago. We did. And and uh, what was the other guy? Donovan Wood. Donovan Wood. Had Donnie a great Wood. time reveling in their self-deprecating nature. And... We did. Matt and I don't hang out much, but uh, went to a great concert on, on Tuesday. Thanks, Matt, for the ticket. We had a fun time. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was. But uh, Allison's Allison's like I, I didn't uh, what me, I did not wish for this. Yeah. So so as the as the voiceover comes to an end, we get Laris continuing to talk directly to Allison in the scene, uh, while he's plucking a flower from a little a little plant, mm -hmm. um, and stating the queen makes a wish. What servant of the realm wouldn't try to make that happen? Essentially admitting to setting the fire himself yep. and saying, it's what you wanted me to do. You may not have explicitly asked for it. And she clutches her pearls. No, never me. I am far too virtuous to ask for such a thing. But I'm happy about it. Well, right? Since it's already but, happened. But, but I'm glad since it happened, I guess we'll take advantage of it. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. But, but what a... What a, uh, he plucked the flower. I mean, it's almost, it's a metaphor, I think. He's basically just plucked Alicent. She's kind of in his clutches now, a little yeah. bit. She owes him. It's the same flower that he used as a metaphor during their conversation in the Godswood, Correct. which yeah. it just hit me. This episode didn't have a Godswood scene, Scad. That I know. just hit me. I know. No Godswood scene. I wondered if it was maybe meant to be a metaphor itself mm. uh, about, you know, the, about them growing apart and there's no longer any serenity to that yeah. relationship, but no, it felt like a reach. 
Yeah. So he plucked that flower that he had compared her to. Yes. Reinforcing what you're saying. Uh, and also signaling Laris's intentions. Um, I uh, looked this up a little bit. So this isn't my thought. This was from someone else, but I thought it was mm-hmm. fascinating. His sigil is a is like a firefly or something, or like a bee yeah. or something like that, which mm-hmm. are pollinators, right? Mm. Pollinators help the flower, but also feed on its nectar. This person said, I wish I would have noted who actually said this. I didn't know, and I'm sorry. Um, while the process of pollination helps both the fat flower and the firefly, sucking on its nectar is only beneficial to the pollinator. Mm. So there you go. I thought that was interesting. I was looking up why he had that sigil. Was there some significance behind that particular firefly flash beat slash bee, whatever it is. And that makes a lot of sense and really goes along with the metaphor of the flower. Yeah. And to continue that thought, he's probably pollinating lots of flowers. He doesn't just, I mean, it's a metaphor. He's not just, he's not just got Allison in his clutches. Laris is working all the angles. And, you know, in Fire and Blood, it's a lot more vague, Varys's, Laris, Laris's intentions mm-hmm. and what he actually does. It doesn't specify that Laris set the fire. Right. Uh, it proposes several options, including Viserys doing it himself, including Laris doing it, including Daemon doing Daemon, it to remove the competitor for Rhaenys. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are several options. Of it, uh, Corliss, I think, was one as well for Harwin disrespecting uh, Leonor, Gar- right? His son, yeah. Um, so there are a lot of options. They don't ever tell you maybe who did it at all. They don't know. Um, the show has gone hard at this to say Laris did it. It, you know, maybe it's a good transition to Dragons After Dark, but I think it says something about where this character might go. Yeah, yep. And as you said, he uh, he now gets to blame it on Allison too if he wants to so can or at least hold it over her head that he might um, blame her right. who knows how that would go right the like, gaslighting might not believe him things. but yeah, yeah exactly yeah. but it, it's it increases his hold over her yes right. he's got her trapped a little bit yeah. right yep yep i'm ready to go into dragons after dark let's do it that's where the episode ends let's do it all right, uh, ye who fear spoilers, beware, because mm-hmm. we are now proceeding into spoilery territory at the conclusion of the following jingle. Dun, 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 dun. Dragons after dark. Woohoo. Uh, this one's at the top of my list. You brought it up a little earlier. Lord Caswell, if I may be of service, as you said, he was, he did stay loyal to Rhaenyra and was beheaded for it. For refusing to bend the knee to Aegon. Lovely. Lovely. Pour one out for Lord Caswell. Yeah. See that come around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also spoiled, totally shouldn't have, and did spoil the Helena thing with the the eye. I tried to cover it as best I could, uh, but failed probably. I was like, hey, (laughs) guess what? Aemon's going to lose an eye. That's a spoiler. so do you think that these two prisoners will turn out to be blood and cheese? There's three of them, right? Didn't he for three? three? Oh, uh, he said there was a like a traitor to the crown, a murderer, and a deviant. A deviant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I didn't, I didn't even think of that. So that's an interesting idea. Um, you know, in, in Fire and Blood, blood and cheese uh, come from Mysaria. Uh, Damon has a relationship with Mysaria, a, a business, I think, relationship with Mysaria. And she sends them in. Yeah, and they and they are like, cheese is like a butcher. No, blood is a butcher. And cheese and, is a rat catcher. Yeah, cheese is a rat catcher. Yeah, and so cheese talks. And so they, yeah, obviously these ones haven't had their tongues ripped out. Oh yeah, so. true. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, they could change that. Yeah. But I, but I also that that would have inter- interesting implications that they work for Laris and Mysaria. And maybe there's something going on there. Some crossover. Some crossover mm. between these two masters of whispers and confessors and stuff. Yeah. But we do, yeah, we do need to bring Damon into this though. I think that's a key thing that they won't change is having Damon be at the head of instigating that. Yeah, it may or may not. I mean, it's pretty clear in Fire and Blood that he does. Uh, right. He uses language. Um, he uses, I can't remember exactly what the language is, but he uses language in a letter uh, mm-hmm. to Rhaenyra that is stated exactly the same way by cheese um, when when the atrocity happens so right yep so yeah the atrocity by the I'm way I'm kind of talking myself out of it yeah uh, I don't know if we need to talk about the atrocity or we just wait and assume people know if they're listening they know I think if they're listening you know they yeah. probably know I am just in horror of knowing that's going to happen and I don't know how I'm going to be able, how I'm going to deal with it when it comes. Like, I don't know either because, well, yeah, I, it will be very hard to watch. I'm also just concerned logistically and timeline wise how it's going to happen hmm. because those kids should be born by now. Right. The dance doesn't last super long. And, you know, those kids are not, you know, there have to be two twins, a set of twins. And then a younger son, Maelor, for that to even happen. And Aegon and Helena aren't even married yet. And feels feels like they're moving pretty quick toward these events happening. Like, I don't know what they're going to do, Matt, for the next few episodes. I think they're going to do another time jump or two. You think? I think they will. That or they'll, like make heard... the, they'll make those kids younger, even. Yeah, they could make them They'd be like a baby and toddlers rather than. Yeah, slightly older kids and a toddler. Yeah, yeah, they could do that. Um, yeah, it, it just feels like there's there's some major consequences to aging these characters that they have. I assume they thought all through all that. I mean, they must right. Have, right. They've done a they've done a good job so far. Decent job. Pretty good. Yeah. I'm a little worried about not seeing Darren so far. Darren should be Jace's age. They should have born. Yep. Basically at the same time. Yep. As far as we know, he doesn't exist. So far. Uh, but we'll see. Hopefully he comes around. Uh, and again, on the timeline side, we still have to get two more kids out of Rhaenyra with Damon. So, mm-hmm. you know, that <laughs> time jump almost has to happen. That's, right? yeah, I, I think but, so. But again, in Fire and Blood, Matt, like I read it today and yesterday, mm-hmm. not a whole lot happens between exactly. like these events that we just witnessed and the start of the conflict. Not a whole lot happens. It's yeah. just like the scene in the yard. And then like the, the you know, between that and the beginning of the war, it's just like years pass and there's not a whole lot described. So are they just going to like invent stuff to happen? Or like we said, time jump. 
but if they timed it they've got four more episodes they Mm got to fill four more hours before i I mean maybe i'm just assuming that this the season would end with viserys's death because it seems so natural maybe it won't maybe they'll actually get to the dance before the end of the season right i just don't know what they're going to do for four more hours there's not a lot of story left yeah, so maybe this is a good we can still kind of just weave into what will happen in episode seven. Sure. Um I think we could we see Carl killing Lenore? Is this Lenore going out? Is he going out so. quick? I, I think, think so. so too. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think I think I think even more than that, I think his demise will happen early in the episode and Damon will propose to Rainier Start by to the move end in. of the episode. Right. I think so it might be something they save for the next episode. To elongate some of that timeline, maybe. Right. And that could maybe bring in uh, the betrothal that does end up going down in Fire and Blood. So the betrothal that we mentioned before, the betrothal request uh, never happens in Fire and Blood of marrying Helena to Jace. However, one betrothal that does go down, well, actually two betrothals that go down is betrothing Jace and Luke to Damon and Lena's twins, Bela and Reyna. Um, and also betrothing Aegon to Helena. And just Aegon marrying. with Helena. Yeah. Yeah. Now those are in the books. They're very young when that happens. Yeah. Jason Luke are only four and three. Yep. And that and the twins are two. But, uh, you know, you age them up, but they're still probably about the same spacing looking at the girls and looking at the boys. The boys are a little older, but not by too much. Mm-hmm. Actually, Luke looks younger. Uh but so I wonder if we'll we'll start to see that as Damon and Rhaenyra come back together, as they seem destined to do. Mm-hmm. If we'll see that happening, I th- yeah I think we will. I, th- I think it's a good bet. Uh, it could almost be like a, a two for one: marry mm-hmm. me, and we'll betroth our kids. In we'll the, really get this in a grand going. Targaryen fashion. Let's uh, let's make this work. Uh, it's a little weird. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I assume we're going to get a Valerian funeral for Leanna that's going to kind of bring everyone together. Mm-hmm. And to, I don't, I don't think they're going to wait. I think we're going to get the scene in the yard. The scene in the yard with the boys? Yeah, with, with, yep, with, with Amond yeah. and claiming Vagar and all of it. So, yeah, that's what I was wondering is we've got to get Vagar back to Westeros in order for Amon to, to come and claim him. And yep. you're suggesting maybe that will happen or be spurred on by Lena's funeral, bringing her home Seems, to Driftmark? Yeah, I mean, I think the preview that we saw shows uh, her being, I think it's, I mm-hmm. assume it's her, being buried at sea. I assume that's going to yeah, be some yeah. sort of event. I suppose it could be small, but I imagine the family will show up for it, and that'll be, that'll be what they use you know, to, to, uh, have this scene in the yard as I keep calling it. Yeah, that's it. That could be it. Yeah. I like it. Um, it's kind of the last, I feel, uh, I feel like it's maybe the last major event before, before a time jump and then stuff really kind of hits the fan. Right. So it feels like maybe they might try to draw that out with some of the marriages and some of the pacts and Maybe. maybe some political intrigue and conflict maybe, but one of the things that I was thinking of was um, in the books mentioned that Damon brought the twins to 
Viserys asked for leave to present them and get mm-hmm. the king's royal blessing. Now that happened when they were babies, if I remember correctly. And it, and it said they kind of, Damon and Viserys had yet another reconciliation. Um, and so I wonder if maybe he, after Lena's death, Damon does bring the girls back to Westeros, presents them to the king and attempts for that reconciliation. And that's how Vagar gets back to the mainland too. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and it could all happen as part of the funeral also. Yeah, it could all be together. Another two for one or yeah, Viserys comes to the funeral, sees Damon there, meets the girls, all of that happens. Some yeah. Rhaegar right. claimed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Fire and Blood, it actually says that um that uh, Leanna took a boat back with the girls, with the mm-hmm. in you know, the baby girls, and he took both Vagar and Caraxes back himself. Yeah. Which is interesting. Right. Someone, like did Vagar just follow or you know, a little leash, leash on him. Yeah. yeah, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Allison and Rainier are going to go from just politically caustic to like physically aggressive and mama bear protective. I think. Yeah. More than just more than just verbally, it's going to get. I mean, I think we've seen it, but it's going to get downright antagonistic. No more of this. You should. I never thought that you would come up here. Blah 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 blah. Yep. Passive aggressive stuff. It's outright. Yeah. Yeah. Outright disdain and even violence sometimes when they're together. We we still haven't had the outright blacks and greens moment, right? No. And like you said last episode, I wonder if they will just kind of let that be. Let that be completely. Imagine Rhaenyra shows up to the funeral in black, like you should. And Allison shows up at the funeral in green. Like she always does. I like that because she always wears green anyways. Fucking crazy. And that's where it happens. Scat, I think it might be honest. I I like that. You wear black to a funeral. Yep. Give her a reason to be in black. Oh, man. They'd give her a reason to be in black. Yep. That'd be rough. Okay. I think that's a good time to do it. I still right, am maybe yeah. thinking that they'll just dismiss that whole calling them the blacks and the greens altogether. They might. And it'll just be kind they of understood might. that those are the two factions, Allison's side and Rhaenyra's side. They might. It feels like they're really playing into the green component. For sure. The high tower thing and the dress. But we'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't hate I don't hate the assertion. You got uh, anything else for the episode or spoilers? Um oh. We get a tiny little olive branch of goodness. Reyna does end up getting a dragon, everybody. Oh, yes. Moondancer, is it? Yep. Or... And she does become a dragon rider. Oh. But it, but it doesn't end happily. No. <laughs> Just to... it, Of course. They're not going <laughs> to give us the full good ending. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the dragon that these things well, that I'm end, reading online. It doesn't online, end super unhappily. Well, we don't get any of the fun Disney endings. Well, she lives and she goes and gets married and has a bunch of kids, but it's it's not like a Targaryen. Does she get married to like a Corbray or something? A Hightower, I think. Or a a Tyrell. Somebody in the Reach. I don't remember exactly. But she has has a couple marriages. She has a couple marriages. She does. She gets married early and then late. She she marries like someone in the Reach and has like four daughters. Right. We don't ever get their names. But it's one of those things where it's like, 
there's Targaryen blood out there. Mm -hmm. Of course, girls, just like everybody. Um, we talked about what was the dragon that Amond found in the dragon pit. Uh, these online things that I'm reading are all saying it's Dreamfire. Like it's just matter of fact, Helena's dragon. They're just saying, oh, that dragon was was Dreamfire. And I don't know how where they're getting that information. And like the showrunners said in the podcast after that it was da, 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 nothing. Um, so I don't know where they got that from, but I guess it could have been. I imagine Dreamfire being smaller still because Helena is quite young. Didn't imagine yeah. Dreamfire being like a full size big dragon. Isn't Dreamfire though? Dreamfire <laughs> was written by Rayana, the original Rayana. Oh, it wasn't a hatchling. Am I forgetting my dragons? I could be forgetting mine. I'm not like we said earlier. I don't it was so much about the yep, dragons. It was Reyna. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Later by Princess Helena. Yep. So it could have been. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Also interesting to think about Helena, that somewhat seemingly timid girl going claiming a big dragon. But you know, she does like animals, so maybe it, mm-hmm. it helped out. Yeah. Dreamfire. Yeah. I thought maybe it would just be Sunfire just for streamlining because I've already talked about Sunfire. Right, because they brought him up already. And because yeah. Amon's jealousy in general, and so he's going to check out his brother's dragon or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, okay, it's Dreamfire according to everyone. Great. Great. Okay. <laughs> okay. On. Mm-hmm. Don't care. We're going to sign off? Uh, ready to sign off. Yep. All right, let's do it. Um... You know, we're talking about just the meanness of people, particularly Queen Allison today, and uh, how that can just canker your soul, right? So just reminded me of a lyric by Dave Matthews. So I'll just close by saying, above all things, if kindness is your king, then heaven will be yours before you meet your end. I like that. Makes me wish I were more more kind. Man. I also could be a, yours, buddy. I also have a song lyric. Nice. Uh, despite the fact that Matt Nathanson hates musicals, my song off is from a musical. <laughs> it's just a jump to the left, and then a step to the right. You put your hands on your hips. You bring your knees in tight. But it's the pelvic thrust that really drives you insane. Let's do the time warp again. Time warp it up. Let's keep it going. Another 10 years. Let's do it. Let's skip all the storytelling. Let's just go. Where is that from? <laughs> Rocky Horror. Oh, okay. All right. And Matt Nathanson loves musicals now, remember? Or... Let's do the time warp again. <laughs> okay. I got you. Okay. Me loves got you. Oh, boy. That's why. <laughs> Good night, all right good night everyone bye